so yeah. and then hot tanky takes is quoting we just, it uh, we just got that as a soundbite I, I was a liberal i wasn't liberal. I, I, I don't mind saying it you know no. but, yeah you're not allowed Everybody to be a liberal and hang on a minute uh, the tw- the Twitter hot tanky takes uh, says Mango Twitter having a normal one. Mango Twitter is having a normal one. <laughs> and then this, and then and then in the replies, some liberal guy with uh, the two flags uh, in their in their name, the British flag and the EU flag with a globe emoji, along with the hashtag <laughs> Biden Harris twenty twenty. Amazing. <laughs> EU flying Twitter is like the fucking worst place on earth. I know. And he's like, <laughs> this shit is beyond satire. Fucking oh God. No, you're, you're beyond satire. You fucking EU flag nonces. <laughs> there's, yes. a, there's, this guy, there's this guy in the replies saying, I don't even know what Mango Twitter means. And this guy is answering him, CCP sympathizers. It's a reference to Chairman Mao's miraculous mangoes, a cultural revolutionary cult around some fruits which Mao declared to be, quote, the people's mangoes, unquote. It's a fucked up story. Look it up. <laughs> It's absolutely nice. not a fucked up story. It's it's our origin story. It's fucking based. Nice. nice, right? Anyway, that that's been like our intro. Uh, we've, <laughs> our intro is you saying you're a liberal, and Sammy's got one planned. So, Sammy, do your intro. I might even add some like news music behind. Well, do the do the like say who's here and all that stuff. Who's on the panel? Oh, you want me to do that first? I was gonna, I, I was going to say. I thought I was gonna hold on. I thought I was gonna drop some like hot news music behind, and then Sammy was just gonna come in talking about no, what's but, on tonight. No, but it's not recording yet, right? It yeah, is. it's recording. Oh, it's recording now. Yeah, this is the show. Oh, okay, I was just gonna say that um, the guest that we thought was gonna come tonight might be here next week. Well, he might be here tonight still. Well, maybe. Well, you but... never know. You know. Yeah. But anyway, we'll well, in that case, let me just like move into the introduction. So cue the drums and the hot news, whatever music. Okay, hot news music now. So hello, everyone. In this tonight's episode, we'll be talking about uh, about three subjects, Bolivia, Thailand and the Communist Party of the Philippines, which ooh, that's uh, a hot take indeed. Anyway, so Bolivia, excellent news this week. Overwhelming MAS victory for the movement towards socialism after a serious struggle for the uh, Bolivian people, after having an entire general strike to not have the elections delayed for a third time. So fascists have been somewhat defeated, at least in elections. However, interestingly, Luis Acre has pointed out that there will be no role for Eva Morales in the new government. And obviously, and unsurprisingly, fascists have kind of been out in the streets complaining and whining about it. Well, Thailand. Go on. Yeah, indeed, Thailand. Uh, we've had some protests. Uh, we needed some time to examine it as Marxist-Leninists to examine the class nature and all that. <laughs> class nature and all that. <laughs> Anyways, so the three demands of the protests, interestingly, did not include the monarchy, the reactionary pro-US monarchy. We'll talk about that later. And the the leadership of those protests have had uh, very close contact with the likes of Joshua Wong, and they've held some pretty they've had some pretty similar uh, pretty strong similarities with the Hong Kong protests. Never mind the vandalism on public property. 
And then along, oh god, we have the Communist Party of the Philippines. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. This, it's not only its spokesperson, but also its founder and ideological figurehead or something like that, Valbuena and Sisol, spoke oh, to a Radio Free Asia affiliate and gave them an interview. In what? that interview, they stated that they'll be targeting Chinese companies, including those blacklisted by the US, oh, that are right. actually investing in the Philippines via the Belt and Road Initiative. They've also said that, well, uh, I, I, another thing is that, so in doing so, the Communist Party of the Philippines is also ally, openly allying with the liberal opposition to Duterte, whatever you think of him, by the way, such opposition has had strong historical ties to Washington, so a very pro-US opposition as well. And this, uh, all of these will be discussed further, Wait, further so on, Sam, later on. So Sammy, Sammy, what you're, what you're saying is right, that the Filipino Maoist communist supporting them is kind of like Increasing the influence of America in the region is that, to is some that extent, yeah. We'll talk about this later on, though. Let's start. Okay. No, I just, I just wanted to get that. Yeah. Way. Let's start with the good news, though. So, Fran, introduce everyone. Okay. Uh, well, I think that is gonna end of news music. That sounded brilliant in my head. I was like playing the music that everybody else can hear on the actual show. It was like playing in my head. So. Wait. Well we done. have news music now. We will do when this is made. Yeah, it sounded brilliant in my head. Anyway, That's okay. We've got me, comrade Fran. Hello. Hi, Fran. <laughs> and now introduce yourself. Yo, I'm back, people. It's uh, it's Wu Mao eighty six. Harrison has been cured. Yeah, I, I just back in action. Yeah, I'm back in action. My yeah. ear is is better. I'd like to thank uh the comrades from last week for uh. Bigging my jacket up so much because it is. A... Do you have it on now? I don't have it on now, but I know it is a great jacket. Um, actually, a lot of the glitter has fell off oh, um, just through tra- through transportation and stuff like that. But no, I know it's a it's a great jacket. But yeah, I'm I'm back and I'm good. And yeah, next glad person. to have you back. Uh, well, this is Sammy again. People as always. From you already. Exactly. Indeed. Uh, as you as you heard me admitting to be a liberal in the beginning, it's a radical ultra Maoist Tom um, over here <laughs> for another episode. <laughs> and uh, finally, who else have we got in the room? Zena. Zena as well. Zena. Zena. Oh, by the way, uh, this is Zena again. And I think yesterday you guys did a commentary video, right? Reaction video? Yeah, we did. I'm re- yeah, quite looking forward to it. Yeah, well, there were just well, some technical difficulties. Yeah, just some technical difficulties in getting the in the in the file. This is new ground to us, you know. This was the first one, and we did it like on the spot. We just did it on the spot. So awesome. Awesome. the thing is, the thing is, this podcast is probably gonna go out before because um, it's quicker for me to edit this than it will be to me to, to sort that out. So people will probably hear this podcast first. So basically what we're talking about is we did a, a new thing called Mango Reacts where we watched the, it was me, Sammy and Tom. We watched the ContraPoints voting video and just 
we watched it in like a YouTube room where you can pause, anyone can pause it. So we sort of just watched it and, and paused it and just talked about it. And I'm sure you guys will come on some of those episodes as well. And um, if anybody ever sees a video that they want us to, to do this with, just send it to the main uh, Twitter account and we'll, we'll, we'll do it. Whoever's around on that like night, we'll get together and do it. So yeah, I, I, my idea That's is uh, for the next one I want to do a, a China uncensored video. Because uh, <laughs> I, I saw somebody share one of them today, um, reacting not not like not you know not um, praising it or reacting to it negatively, but it was being shared and it was like I forgot all about its existence. I think it'd be really good to go through one of them and kind of react to it. Sure, terrible, full of bullshit, and it'd be a rape debunking territory. Falun Gong bullshit, so nice, easy, nice, easy one. Low-hanging fruit, you know what I mean? And we're going to put those out as, as videos so you can watch the video as well on, YouTube, on, right. on our YouTube and as just like a normal podcast so people who listen to us when they're commuting or training or will uh, will be able to just tune in. So oh. any, uh, oh. Vito's joined. Thanks for very short introduction, uh, Zena. Vito's joined us. Say hello, Vito. Hello, dudes and didettes. Uh, I I hope there's I I hope uh, that you guys can hear me. Right yeah, we now, can hear you. We can yeah. hear you. Yeah, yeah. Do you want okay. to just throw your cool. Twitter handle and stuff like that? Loud and clear. Who you are. <laughs> what is your Twitter? What is your Twitter handle at the minute? Because it changes so much. Uh, no. Yeah. No. I've I I think I've just uh, did a little bit of um rough on the edges for uh, for um for, i think it's the guy who um who posted it in, uh, like a white guy who posted in hong kong about how uh oppressed it is uh i think it's it's a guy named sam and i, oh, I just torn him torn in yeah that guy and i, I the just, guy who I, dressed I, up like a leftist yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I know that, that guy. guy. Yeah, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> and uh, and then I got, yeah, and and he was tweeting with um, with a Hong Kong girl who wasn't even in Hong Kong. Uh, I think it's, uh, and then that that's how I got banned because I was like shredding them down, just mercilessly. And uh, yeah, I, I think that Twitter doesn't really. <laughs> uh, except dissenting voice. Some of you guys have had like ten Twitter accounts. It's just mad, mad. Yeah. Tom, you know, <laughs> Tom. Yeah. Tom gets to picking on. Gets the uh, uh, BJ BJP trolls coming after him constantly. I'm, so, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm probably going to have to have another account after the hot uh, tanky takes his newest. Yeah, probably. Oh, they've got you again, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the globe yeah. will be after me, and that that's it. Oh, yeah. Also, Tom, I don't, I don't think you should say uh, the low hanging fruit. I think that's quite derogatory to the uh, to the mango gang. That's true. We are well, we are high hanging fruit, aren't we? We're high hanging we fruit. Are. Yeah. So okay. The mango is a. a I don't, <laughs> I don't know how how high a mango hangs, but uh, I, I guess. Is it, hang? is it from a bush or a tree? I don't even know. I have no idea where a mango comes from. Someone Google that. Someone it's a tree, out. isn't it? Is it? Can you have mango trees? Yeah, a mango tree. Well, not mine, is it? Surely it doesn't I'm, from a vine. I'm actually allergic to mango. So. 
What the fuck? No, it's true. <laughs> Mango just so delicious. Yeah, no. Chairman Mao's edict. Mango's like my favourite fruit, but I do get an allergic reaction, so. Harrison just faced the wall. It's. it's... I know. Ma- right, Sammy. Anyway. Sammy. What? Bring us into uh, Bolivia then, lad. Well, essentially, the, the Bolivian people have been, uh, like, since 11 months ago after the fascist coup, backed by obviously the US. There's quite a shocker there. Um, so, what happened? Essentially, the people had a general strike uh, to prevent the delaying of the elections for a third time. So they got the elections. Movement towards socialism, with, uh, headed by Luis Acre, uh, gained uh, gained uh, an overwhelming majority, and now they have they are due to have a majority in both the lower house and in the senate. However, I do not believe that things just yet are. A call for celebration because over here you have Luis Acre saying his first measures being anti-hunger bonds for the poor. Now, obviously, there's nothing wrong in that. However, I would love if he would deal with the reactionary and pro-US elements in the military, as well as the, the other sections of the judiciary, that can make another coup, obviously. Yeah, also, you've, uh, got to, you've got to clear out the... You've got to stamp out these... These right wing, you know, they need they need clearing out, don't they? Exactly. They well, to operate they, and re- they'll reorganize again. I don't they're think they already start... he, like kind of orchestrates though. He's not gonna like you know kind of says out loud. He's not gonna say, all right, my first measures are combating hunger and purging the fascists because that's just gonna make them kind of you know rise up and do something. I reckon it'll be some kind of like stealthy. That is that is that is actually a good point. He'll he might like come a, uh, come with it as a surprise or something like that, because the fascists you don't want to are already. Them. Yeah, exactly. They're already organizing. Well, not organizing, but they're already out in the streets, uh, forming protests and such. Some, I believe, some have turned violent to some degree. Did you uh, see yeah. the uh, Golpistas thing? The video that was going around earlier on um, Twitter. It was like one of the far right marches which had been set up, and it was only about 40, 40 or 50 people. But they were chanting that the elections were fake and all this. But a huge crowd of just working class people surrounded them. Oh, and yeah. Started chanting, uh, Golpistas, Golpistas, which is Spanish for like coup makers. Like, uh, doers I, thought they, coup. I thought they were shouting fascistas. Golpistas. Ah. Uh. Yeah, so like. The, the 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 ones who found a, a coup like it, it's a word we don't really have coup doers <laughs> I guess because we, we're normally the ones who are doing the coup so I guess we don't yeah. really have you, a word should for that. you you speak uh, Spanish don't you Tom yeah 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 just to just to confirm also interestingly Luis Acre has pointed out that there will be no role. Uh, for Eva Morales in the upcoming government. However, Eva Morales mm. does remain the leader of the movement towards socialism political party. Uh, mm. which, and uh, it will be possible, I think it is possible, highly possible that uh, Eva Morales will, will return, but we've had no confirmation if such thing will happen or not. Again, that's another thing I don't think you can kind of like worry too much about at the minute because if, if he immediately pulled Evo back and 
kind of said, you know, Evo's actually in charge, I stepped down and all this, that would give the, the more of a ground to, to be like, look how legitimate this is, look how much of a dictator Evo is. He was just, you know, kind of grabbing power. And, you know, you don't want to give them any ground. I, I think, or I hope at least, that there's going to be some kind of like massive sweeping, um, like, Purge, as it were, um, to counter the most powerful fascist and US-sponsored elements, and then you can kind of start building what whatever kind of system you want. But you, like you said before, you need to sweep away the, the fascist elements before you can kind of you know start doing anything too much. Indeed. Else. Now back to the political economy of um, the coup behind, uh, uh, behind sorry, behind the coup in Bolivia. Obviously, everyone knows by now that Elon Musk was behind it as well, or Elon Musk had a a huge stake in it, evident by Tesla's significant increase of value on the stock market right after the coup, and its almost immediate decline after the MAS victory was declared. Um, Also, like we've had Agnes, the de facto, uh, or not the de facto, but basically the installed leader. You had the you had to privatize several sectors of the economy, especially the lithium mines. She basically opened those up for privatization and looting by mainly U.S. companies. And interestingly, um, Chow Collective actually pointed this out: how uh, close China. Uh, relations between China and Bolivia were becoming, under, especially under Evo Morales, uh, starting with the Belt and Road Initiative. And trade between China and uh, Bolivia actually skyrocketed under Evo Morales from around 70 million, I think, to more than two and a quarter billion dollars annually. This is along with uh, Chinese de- Chinese investment in the development of sec- several uh, sectors and services like transportation, infrastructure, also the uh, developing the mines, and uh, which, by the way, they had a win-win cooperation deal signed with uh, mining the lithium, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much the background of it all. Mm. So I'm I'm like, you know, I'm not really well read up on Bolivia. It's one of those things that I've never read up on. But I do know a little bit about uh Bolivia and Bolivia revolution and all that. Um is it similar to is it a similar situation to Venezuela? Because South America seems like a place where is it a case of the that the the USA has, has bullied them so much that socialism can be uh won via like struggle plus ballot box you know it's one of those like bolivia is one of those cases uh i'm not i i can't i'm not 100 familiar on its uh, bolivia's history uh, before the year 2000 but it kind of differs from venezuela in that there wasn't any um there wasn't really any significant involvement of the military in uh, the movement towards socialism gaining power, like, especially like there weren't any military coups, in the, uh, like the, like in the case of uh, Hugo Chavez. But it's also it's like kind of uh, uh, the Bolivar movement uses a lot of uh, indigenous people as opposed to kind of much like Mao used um, kind of peasants as opposed to workers, and that kind of worked for China's material situation at the time in South America. 
the most oppressed group generally is the um, the indigenous people because uh, mm. obviously the the entirety of the uh, the continent is raped and pillaged by America for its resources. Yeah. I mean North America, yeah. um, but the indigenous people suffer the most because obviously America puts these fascist regimes in power and then they tend to just commit genocide um, in order to get resources. It's mostly a resource grab in South America. Um, so the, the uh, Evo Morales' uh, movement, socialism, uh, movimento al socialismo, um, mm. the movement towards mm. socialism, is um, it, it's, it's like quite an indigenous-focused um, kind of thing, and they have quite an indigenous vanguard. Like, have you seen those uh, videos, Sammy, of um, like when, when people are being, uh, the, the, the high-ranking um, MAS, like MPs, as it were, um, are being transported around and they're always supported by like guys in, in like traditional indigenous um, yeah. like you know South American dress and then kind of like with AK-47s on mopeds like it's really cool <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to add like that it, it's like they, they, their socialism is kind of built mostly on indigenous kind of people's um, movements rather than kind of like work mass workers movements or anything like that so that's why it has to be a democratic but don't the workers stand with these indigenous movements as well? And what, what I'm trying to get at is like, um, like, do you know, like you've got the Communist Party of USA that's like, join us voting out fascism as if it's that simple. Yeah. But like, well, it's, exactly it, it's not. Say. It's not just a vote out of fascism, is it? It's it's the conditions that allows um, the right wing to be destroyed in the ballot box, and it's not just like Sammy said at the start that like the vote is the end of the right wing. They're just you know they've just been told to do one but you know yeah. you have to actually make them do one after but is it is it that like revolution in south america is a lot less like that romantic idea that westerners have that like you can define the revolution has started the revolution has ended it, it's not that case think- is it it's more like it's it's like an ongoing thing and all this mm. electoral polit- politics is just part of that yeah, and that's evident by Venezuela, I think. I mean, for God's sake, that guy, uh, what was his name? The, 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 Chavez? Uh, Majoro? No, no. Oh, uh, Guado. Evident by that, like the revolution in Venezuela is still ongoing, and obviously the ballot box is still a big part of it. Evident by the fact that Guaido is still not in bloody prison. Yeah, well, that guy, that guy, is one of the biggest goons on planet Earth. He's walking around <laughs> telling people he's like the president of Venezuela and that. No, what an, abs- what yeah. an absolute like goon. Anyway, Harrison, go on. It's what like were you a, say? just some mad man who's just, just going around, like you know, just just telling people oh, I'm the president of Venezuela. Oh, it's good for you. Good for <laughs> you. you, you, you. <laughs> Fences being like, let me in. Anyway, Harrison, what were you going to say? Like, what I was going to say is that um, obviously, yeah, with the C- the CPUSA saying like you can vote out fascism, I often defend them on Twitter, and it seems that every time I defend them, ten minutes later they will tweet <laughs> the most fucking <laughs> bullshit tweet of all time and just embarrass me. Um, and kind of this tweet was the same because it's not just voting out fascism. Like the Bolivian people have been in a in a struggle for a long time against fucking US imperialism, which is like not to be funny, but it's something that the US populace have not been exposed to. Like it's a different force. 
Um, Especially in South America as well. Exactly. Like, it's a violent force. And the Bolivian people have, have had to kind of sacrifice a lot of their a lot of their lives in many cases to kind of fight this exactly so to to say it is just voting out fascism in the case that oh we can compare this to trump versus biden trump versus biden it's kind of disgusting like yeah no it's um it's the difference between like venezuelan like you know democratic socialism and social democrats is huge and evidence and it's like social democrats are, are anyone in kind of like the imperial core like the, the global north as it were um but people who can kind of actually win win socialism via democracy are the ones actually doing democratic socialism and real democratic socialism i don't mean like jeremy corbyn style but i mean mm-hmm. of, of well he couldn't win could he no no he had no chance um but he was trying to, he was playing a, a rigged game, wasn't he? So he's no chance of winning. It's like, like trying to win at the fucking, uh, you know. Well, that's the key line, I think, what you just said. He, he, Jeremy Corbyn would be playing a rigged game, whereas whereas in Bolivia, they make sure that the game is rigged in their favour via popular support. Um, anyway, Harrison. Another, like, sorry, go on. Did you, did you want to finish what you were saying there? You were it on me, sorry. Or did you finish? Um, yeah, um pretty much finished i was just saying like that um basically the cp usa are just kind of a bit cringe but I, yeah i do defend them a lot on twitter sometimes but it's just in this case especially it was it's just a silly thing to say and it kind of links into what a lot of the maoists on twitter were saying i know maybe we'll get to that later but you know i like to go in on the maoists um, why have they been talking shit about bolivia as well no, they have, of course, and they're. they're oh, Zina's, <laughs> Zina's just posted the picture of uh, Guido on the on the like, gate trying to get in. Yeah. It's brilliant, brilliant. What a, what an absolute idiot that guy is. Carry on. Yeah. No. As soon as the uh, as kind of the uh, MAS victory was announced, you see these fucking the Maoists tweeting like how they're supporting a people's war against MAS <laughs> and that kind of thing. It's just like. <laughs> Every time, like, what's, what's the USA's taking this? I'll support we're, them. <laughs> we're anti-imperialist, right? And like, even if it's not the perfect fucking beautiful brand of communism or socialism that we kind of imagine in our minds, we offer support to this and we fight for this and the oppressed people that it's benefiting. But like, these Maoists are just—they don't give a fuck. Like, What's honest, funny about these Western sort of Maoists is they definitely would have gone out and campaigned for Jeremy Corbyn or Bernie Sanders in their own countries. Like 100% uh, will have been yeah, out probably. campaigning for them people. Uh, Zena, have you got anything on Bolivia? For Bolivia, I only saw the videos about um, mostly also, I think Child Collective also posted just a video about like um, how the cooperation between between Bolivia government and also Chinese government about the cooperation about all kinds of investment in Bolivia. All right, and, okay. This is a yeah, key point I, though as well, isn't it? Because this is a reason why the USA bully Bolivia as well. So they're doing yeah. deals with China. Yeah, so sometimes I feel like um, um, definitely if you for Bolivia, if you want to if you want to just build a socialist country overnight and in face of the American imperialism, and we all know how 
uh, how much power American government, especially those American elites, have on the the South American in overall. I think it's kind of how to say naive to think they can just like um to do a revolution, like like those Maoists said they're gonna um uh, do a do a how to say overall revolution in Bolivia. Yeah, like 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 as if it needs to be done, like carried on and not just smart and sensibly done sort of thing. A little, a little bit, a little bit more about like the relations, like continuing from from where Zina dropped off about uh, relations, specifically economic relations between Bolivia and China. Uh, right now, I have the Chow Collective uh, comment on this. Like, quote, Chinese investment played a critical role in a, in the movement towards socialism's state-led agenda of national development and independence from international financial institutions such as the IMF. <laughs> I continue to, to read, MAS leaders often contrast Chinese investment from Bolivia's subjugation under IMF austerity. As Evo Morales put it after meetings with Xi Jinping in 2018, Quote, China's support and aid to Bolivia's economic and social development never attaches any political conditions. At Maui. Yeah, it's a. There's a. <laughs> also, there are. <laughs> a, a, and one of the key members of the Belt and Road Initiative in South America. Um, <laughs> so obviously, the USA is going to vehemently oppose that. Yeah. Obviously, they vehemently oppose any country that is a member of the Belt and Road Initiative. So that's not one a surprise more, there. A couple um, of more. Just a couple, when, sorry. Oh, sorry, just, just a couple of more things. Oh, go on, Sammy. Um, Let okay. Sammy finish first, then. Go on, we'll come back to you, Vito. Okay. Yeah. In, in 2018, sure. Bolivia entered the Belt and Road Initiative. As of 2015, China had already committed $10 billion in investments for transportation and energy, energy infrastructure as part of Morales' five-year national development plan. And mm. uh, last thing, uh, what do you call it? Obviously, you have like massive Chinese investments in the lithium mines that amounted to 2.3 billion as well. And yeah, uh, that's that's where I'm done really. Well, yeah, so China comes in and builds the infrastructure, and then then they fucking fascists sell it out to America. It's, it's just not mm. surprised, is it? Sorry, go on. Yeah, um, sorry. And just to follow through on what Sammy says, uh, so they China's invested millions uh, in for for Bolivia's uh, infrastructure as well as um, the deals with uh, lithium and energy sources, and that's when the United like after the United States, uh, the organization of uh, American states successfully did a coup on Bolivia last year. They immediately rescinded all the all of the dealings with Ch uh, with China and letting in um com multinational companies like Tesla's and uh, also a of few uh, European yeah and uh just um also Bolivia's is also one of the countries that uh supported China's de-radicalization campaigns against the um uh the Wahhab Wahhabi's uh, terrorism. So, uh, and because of like, also because of like the coup, after the coup, they also like rejected China's um, continued investment. Like the yeah investment. So it's kind of like a a a reverse, you know, you know. <laughs> and what's so funny about like, this? Um, what's funny about this is yeah. this is like an identical uh, American 
way of doing things. This they do this they did the same against so many like pro Russian countries before. Now it's switched to pro China countries. It's almost like they wait for the deal to be done and then work to be started or money to have moved and then move in and and obviously they're stealing the infrastructure that's been built and they're stealing yeah, the money the that's been invested as well. Part of it. That's the most malicious part of it. Like they're waiting until China's actually built the infrastructure, and like China doesn't really ever want really much back after it's done anything anyway. It kind of just wants to be a friendly trade partner with the nation. Like that's kind of the only. Well, they've said this week have that stolen and then spat in your face and then given to Elon Musk. It's just disgusting, isn't it? Yeah. Well, China this week said that uh, none of our loans come with any sort of political attachment. Uh, which is the complete mm. opposite is it is if you do any deals with the with the USA and i mean a prime example of that is you don't even have to be bolivia to get bullied by the usa politically uh with with uh, economic sort of warfare and and just look at the uk when they're trying to get out of the european union and you know trying to uh, sort out the uh, the irish border solution and it's like if the USA are making, you know, Nancy Pelosi is making threats to the to the UK, saying like, <laughs> if you if you change the Good Friday Agreement by just like, just like if you gets breached by it, like anything at all, then we will not do any economic deals with you. And it's yeah. like even the UK, the people, you know, America's number one like friends of France and the UK, and you're even treating them like that, like so. To be a Bolivian and to be on the receiving end of this, it must be, you know, well, you've seen the damage it does. So they're just absolute pirates, aren't they? Um, like you say, it's the worst thing about the USA is they, they wait for this. They wait for the check to clear or, or the, the, you know, the, the cement to be drying and then they sweep in. Yeah. yeah and you, like, you it, imagine being paid for this, like ridiculous. Anyway, sorry. Carry on. Go on, Tom. Uh, no, no, just, just, just like topping off what, what we said. It's just like kind of, it, it's, it's their standard like um, modus operandi, and if they just move in, they, they kind of, you know, use a protest or some other general movement to get their fascist supporters in power. Then the fascist supporters all fucking kill off whatever indigenous communities were, were, you know preventing the exploitation of some resource the previous year and it goes on and this this is true for like about a hundred countries you could literally say so many countries names and this would be true for that america has done this too and then britain before america when britain was the colonial power and it's just like it, it it's just a, a formula it's just the, the standard neoliberal kind of uh it's very strange right and um, one thing, like you're saying there about the British doing it, it's almost like you know the the British merchants, uh, the East India Company, sort of had this exceptional sort of attitude that they thought that they knew best for the world. That was that was mm. what drove the the merchant class uh, after the bourgeois revolutions in in Europe. They actually had got the power, and it was time to flex. And th- and they actually thought that they were right in what they were doing. Like, they, you know, they were naive in to believe that they thought they were right because obviously we all know that they were wrong uh, and they were being oppressive cunts. But, like... It was because of their class position they just come up with any idealistic excuse for exactly, their actions. Exactly, but they were done 
they were done. Like they would use excuses like, well, you know, God's on my side and stuff like that. And it's like, did these people, the, the, the difference that I find with America is America do this, this stuff, all this horrible, 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 horrible stuff uh, in South America. And it's like, what are you even doing it for? Because you're not actually, you know, you're not actually doing anything. You, you just leave these places to, to rot. Uh, with look no at, actual uh, reason Bolsonaro for doing it. Brazil. Like, so like Brazil is kind of like the worst example of, of what they're doing in South America nowadays. Like obviously we look at the successes in Venezuela and Bolivia where, where we are winning. But in Brazil, there are still fascist militias going into the rainforests and killing the indigenous people today as we speak, burning down the rainforests which are vital for our ecology and our survival as a planet probably. And like, you know, it, it's just, this is happening now and, our, and their fascist leader is just kind of getting away with it because no one really gives a shit about Brazil. Like the bulldozing favelas because favelas don't look nice even though that's where all the poors live. And they're just shooting people that resist and calling them terrorists. Like, it's it, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible place to be kind of thing. So it's, it's really great to see the successes when we when we get them, the little successes. It's but this is what this is the point that I'm talking about, right? So you had imperialists like Cecil Rhodes that would like believe, they really believed that if they looked after, this is why people talk about the Brits having a, a bit of a privilege is because if you were an imperialist in the East India Company and you had a manor house uh, in England and you owned a big piece of land uh, and there were loads of poor people, poor, you know, working class people in Britain. It served your interest well to look after those people in Britain and use the loot that you'd stolen from, you know, Africa and Rhodesia to, to treat those people back home a little bit better. Not, not good, but a little bit better because the last thing you want as a merchant is, is the peasants and poor that are on your own doorstep to turn up at your manor gates with pitchforks. So, like, this is what I'm saying. They have a real reason to, like, make life better for their own people a little bit. But I just don't see, I don't even see that in American imperialism. I don't see that. Life is not good for Americans, is it? And, it, and it's, it's not good in these South American places that they wreck as well. Why are they wrecking these places? There's absolutely no need for it, you know. They're already all rich like enough. America's sort of like a, a like a neo-feudalist system, though, isn't it? It's like it uses capitalism to kind of enrich such a tiny minority of their class that, like, they can just let the poor die because it doesn't matter. You give them all guns, this is, them this, they're, they're winning, and it doesn't this, matter. This is an interesting uh, point, by the way, because this is the kind of stuff that gives rise to the current divisions in the ruling class, in the American ruling class, which, by the way, with all respect to CPUSA, they're not exactly paying attention to. <laughs> well, by yeah, the way, exactly. not, not, not all of this is my word, by the way. I, I learned a lot from Caleb Morpin about like uh, the American ruling class and like the history of the American labor struggle. Like, what The division in the ruling class in America today is basically you have the faction that is behind Trump, which is composed of like the second tier kind of capitalists, the ones who are not yet benefiting from or they are not part of like, quote, the club who benefit from the imperialist loot. And those people are like the fracking companies, the casino owners, owners of Home Depot, uh, th those kind of people. Those are the people who are not exactly benefiting from imperialist loot. Uh, as opposed to 
like the super, the ultra rich, or the first tier capitalists who are like owners of JP Morgan, the big four super major oil companies. Those are the ones who have also historically uh, had uh, a for, uh, had a uh, what do you call it? Well, had the strategy of keeping things calm at home by just investing a little bit here and there into some welfare and such. And today, these divisions are very. Uh, uh, these divisions are, have reached a melting point, really, especially after the two thousand and uh, the uh, the early two thousands crisis, the two thousand eight crash, and now this crash this year. Uh, so yeah, there was another crash between two thousand and eight and this one, wasn't there? Not not a big one, but there was definitely a smaller recession about twenty twelve as well. I think. Yeah. In the middle, when when. Cameron foisted austerity on us. I'm sure that was a global one. Mm. And also, like, um, sorry, go on. Uh, I, I, I wanted to sort of like um, add it in with the. I don't think it's not. It's not just like the um, the American government or the American banking system or whatever. Uh, there are also the um, the IMF uh, and the World Bank, uh, which two of them have traditionally uses uh, a lot of like um, buzzwords like uh, IMF, uh, like transparency, and so like this uh, measuring corruption, which uh, ideally it's. Uh, it might came from it might come for 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 the um the best of uh the best of like what they do uh but actually with how they set up with their uh, neoliberal um uh policies that that doesn't really that that tries to incentivize uh like the south american countries but Ended up with more um, corruption. Ended up ended up more with more um, poverty, and uh, there's it's just like a, it breeds cycle of uh, violence. And uh, when they just so sort of like keep doing the things that they they're doing, they're not exactly uh, shall we say they're not exactly noble in in what they're doing in, in that regard. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like um, you know, yeah. what was it? The, you know, capitalism it, will, will it, hang it's itself. Like they're, they're, it's like they're a vampiric organization acting like a mafia gang. They're they're trying to uh give uh like give like little incentives to the uh, ruling class uh, of like the South American countries, and then all of a sudden. Like because they misuse their powers and uh, and there's like uh, global, sorry, there's like riot. Uh, they're they're like um, pro protesting, uh, protesting about like uh, widening oh, uh, people uh, protest of why didn't they get what they need to survive, uh, like housing, basic uh, necessities, and food and water and and other things that yeah well this is one of the reasons why yeah. capitalism is going to kill itself because 
as as more socialist countries around the world um, house the poor, and and you know it doesn't matter socialist. Um, it doesn't matter whether you're a Maoist or not, or whatever weird ideology you want to pick on. Um, the fact that socialist countries that are existing, and some that are not even considered socialist, are improving the lives of their own citizens. Uh, the people in the West are going to see this, and they're eventually going to start holding their own governments to account. And you know, in the in the UK, we've just had the Tory government refuse to uh, feed poor kids uh, school lunch, and it's like you know. Engels are writing books about the British working class in like the 1850s yeah, uh, being in workhouses. And it's, it's the same. It's like what I'm saying in South America. It's almost starting to, you know, this, this poverty that the America have perpetuated in South America is going to come home to roost in the West. And you already see it in America. You, uh, the, the equality divide is, is getting worse and worse. More 30, and more 30 people. million people at risk of being homeless. Mm-hmm. 30 yeah. million. And I mean, the same is happening here. Hold on a minute. The same is yeah. happening here in the UK. Uh, people are getting poorer and poorer because of things like you just mentioned, David Cameron and you know EU forcing austerity on the whole of Europe. So like, it's all linked. And this is what's coming back. This is all coming home to roost in America. I mean, you had pictures this <clears> summer of... Of, of america and the the rubble just looked like pictures from iraq that's the true sign of like you know the death of a of an empire is when when their when their bullying starts to come home to roost and it will do if you if because they've just not looked after anybody at home as well um go on harrison no i was just gonna say that obviously um yeah like we can see that the uh fucking policies from the tories are just it's ridiculous especially the uh the latest one which is um basically starving fucking school children and the somehow the media is portraying it as like an a parliamentary fucking like being unpolite in parliament um against the tories but it's it's ridiculous that they focus on that and not the uh the well, this this is cancel sort of cancel culture, isn't it? Like yeah. almost yeah. almost becoming comedic, and it doesn't it doesn't work anymore. This is exactly what I'm I'm trying to get across. No, it, the more the ridiculous. more that these the more that the establishment sort of get try and do these tricks and start pulling them on their own people, and the more ludicrous they get, you know, the more like it's just like the presidential race this this time, and you know, just like you said then, just saying it's like. Well, we shouldn't be calling them Tory scum. Like they're becoming so like pantomime. Yeah, no, definitely. They're becoming such like a pantomime that like it's it's um, not it's not sustainable, is it? Go on, carry no. on. No, what I was gonna say is that obviously this week has been a uh, kind of a a big week on Twitter, um, with the the like class reductionist kind of stuff. And I just wanted to say that obviously um with all the stuff that's gone on this week, that obviously a lot of people have been described as like words that shouldn't happen, um, non-Marxist words like racist, all that kind of stuff, uh, just because they are 
saying that class is the primary struggle and that race is kind of linked to class and that in order to kind of overthrow the bourgeoisie as the proletariat, the, this will kind of help race I, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Friend um, or Harrison, like maybe you guys can kind of elaborate the disparity yeah, like, in the UK, like um, proletarian or the overall policy. I didn't which... explain that well. That's true. Okay, well, 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 that would be great because, like, on this, uh, I think I saw I also saw a lot of controversies around this topic, especially okay, so, in so the let, UK. It's so a big point this week. That's yeah, let, let me try because. Um, Maybe you can I can see that. I can see both sides of this. Uh, no, yeah, I think you were doing quite well then. I see yeah. both sides of this. I think that people are so. I think you're right. People are quick to like argue on something, and and you know, you 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 take your opinion, you set your battle up, and then that's it. Nobody moves on to it. It's not a place to have like an actual civil discussion on stuff. You had people commenting on their own. They had people looking at this event through the lens of their own uh experiences and that's the problem isn't it you're not looking at the overall sort of problem now what you're talking about is that restaurant video well okay yeah look let me just explain because that restaurant video first of all the people who were defending that were not defending the actions of the children who were essentially stealing from this this restaurant that was not the case what what people defended was the kind of communist analysis of the video where people were just siding with the bourgeoisie without knowing anything and kind of calling the children uh, druggies and also calling them like chads, all that kind of thing. Right, um, and I think this is the comment, yeah. the, the comment, the original like, analysis of this was directed at, at other working class British people who were who were doing this like the thing about britain is the, the 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 class divisions are a lot more obvious you know we've yeah. got tories and then we've got the, the working class now what the what what the what the ruling classes will do is they will pitch class on class they use mm -hmm. things like the sun and and all these reactionary sort of tv programs and and all this to to do that like you know we have we have tv programs that just shame uh people who are out of work and you know um benefit street remember that one yeah exactly so we have these sort of programs that are just literal class antagonistic sort so, of so for everyone who's kind of like not british in this chat at the minute like um to our non-british listeners i'm just going to briefly explain benefit street because like it might kind of you might not understand what we actually mean by this but there was a, a Channel 4, I think, a television program um, series um, about this street in, I think it was Birmingham or one of the... Birmingham and Manchester, I believe. Was it Birmingham, Manchester? Um, and basically, it, it, it almost took on the role of like a reality TV show, um, but kind of like filming these uh, people who were majoritively on uh, benefits, which in the UK is like where you're unemployed and you get paid by the state uh, a very low amount of money. And they, these um, were long-term unemployed people that had been on benefits for a long time because of like Thatcher and things like that, weren't they? So carry on. So, so the very, very poor, um, the 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 very kind of 
you know, it, it, the, the people within the, the video that they focused on were uneducated. They were kind of, you know, reactionary because they were they were so, you know, just just poor and, and didn't know where to focus their rage at. Um, so it was like it was filming them and showing them like taking drugs and stuff. And it was like, oh, look at what the pores do. Look at what the pores do when they've given money by the state. Look at how disgusting it was. That was the kind of like the, the angle of the show. Like, yeah. Um, and the reason like, for this as well. The reason why this show was on was because the conservative government were reforming the benefits system uh, and stripping a lot of it away to make sure to actually take more people money off these uh, people. Like we've just spoke about earlier, the the sort of things that uh, the capitalist class gave British people to stop them revolting. Uh, those now things being taken away. Yeah, and now being taken taken back away off them. So, like the the point is. The analysis over that video was was never about like the race of anybody in there. It was just about the economic condition. Now, yeah. the reason for that is because other working class British people, majority of them white as well. These these are you know these are the the white sort of British people who voted Tory up north because they've they've fallen out with Labour because Labour are so liberal. So. They're the sort of people who will look down on fellow working class people and yeah. and use these sort of slurs like chav and they'll watch these programs like Benefit Street and you know laugh at the poor person and you know they're the fucking, same people. Uh, fucking hell, I have a roommate like that. It just reminded me of him. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. you know everybody the, in Britain the creation knows, of the everybody in Britain knows somebody who's like that though, you know, who votes Tory uh, uh, and wears like a skin tight t-shirt and goes, uh, you know, goes to town with no socks on and, and they're drinking. So, some <laughs> wanker. You know what I mean? Everybody knows that wanker in Britain at the minute. Can I, you know. can I, can I talk okay, about something though? Because... Right, hold on though, because I want to get to the point of this video. So, all right. I think a lot of people think they're like, Oh, well, British people were just, were just using like, uh, they just go on about Marx and nobody else. Well, no, actually, yeah. like this you is know, what I was going to say. Still, but yeah. still, all right, well, I'll let you say it. Go on, you say. No, it. no, no. You carry on. You're doing great. No, I'm going to give the floor to you because you no, know, I was just you've say, not been here. So you, I was just you talk. Say that obviously this video, people were saying that like, oh, that everyone was just talking about Marx and kind of avoiding everything else or like the other theorists that were against it, but. The whole argument was, at the time, that as communists, like we we should believe in the proletariat overthrowing the bourgeoisie, like that's our that's our premise, and we shouldn't be sticking up for millionaires, and it doesn't matter what race they are, but we shouldn't be sticking up for millionaires against the working class. And I know what the working class did in that video was not great. Like we shouldn't be supporting it. We shouldn't be supporting dining and dashing. However, at the same time, we shouldn't be defending the bourgeoisie in that video. Well, who the, was the uh, main point of this is this it, wouldn't happen if you fixed the economic condition. That's exactly. what I'm you know, yeah, exactly. and, that's correct. And they're like, talking about, hold on. They're talking about like, Oh, well, Marx never said anything about race. And it's like, well, have you actually never read, Marks, labor in the white skin cannot be free if the black is branded. That is a Karl Marx quote. 
Marxist analysis is based on dialectic material, so materialism. So, of course, any sort of current racial dispute is included in Marxist thought. There is none of this like, oh, well, you just read his book and you have to view it in like a... a uh, uh, you're reading a book from the 1800s. No, you take his his theory and apply it to now. Yeah, that's Marxism. Marxism isn't reading a book from 1850 and walking around pretending you're in the 18, you know, mid 18th, 19th century. So it, that's what it's about. Um, and I think the funny thing about it is, right, the people saying that um, poor people can't can't afford to eat in Britain have just been proved right because kids in Britain have just had another lifeline taken off them, haven't they, in the Tory Britain? Uh, the free, the like, free lunch programme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is why like, class, this is just... class struggle is the main struggle of communists. because In, I mean, Brit- I've, I've... in Britain? Uh, in Britain? No, and... no. Not, in, not just in Britain. In every, every place. It's... Well, yeah, uh, yeah. But what I'm saying <laughs> is... All right. Yeah. No. The poor, the poor, the lowest class in Britain, sort of are already mixing amongst themselves in in you know in these race in in the um, races are already sort of mixed in Britain. You know, council estates are multicultural. You okay. do have you do have racial prejudice, but th- th- those things can be you know they're not economic. Yeah, that's just misdirected. Like you know, education. That's not an economic like clash. Yes. The only issue I had with the with the video, like when and both sides is kind of not I'm not doing a Trump both sides discussion kind of thing, but like I, I when I worked in a restaurant a couple of years back, like if somebody dined and dashed, um, basically that would come out of the the workers' tips. Wait. Um, oh, okay. No. Wait. I'm, I'm, carry on. Let, let me, <laughs> and and uh, this was a chain restaurant I worked for, so like it was probably the same in in like kind of chain restaurant like the one we experienced um now i know that that's the owner's exploitation because any stolen yeah. meals should come out of the owner's money i'm under no no illusion that that is what should be taking place but in the realistic material sense what happens is that comes out of the workers um money essentially and the workers are like kind of you know holding the door shut and trying to stop them kids from running because they know that if the police turn up and kind of force the kids to pay or you know sort it out that way then it won't get taken out of their wages or their their, um, their tips or whatever but it might well do um if you know you know if, if the kids are allowed to leave that was at least how it was in my place if, if we saw the person leaving and we kind of you know shouted at them then, then we'd be kind of let off but if they got away without us noticing then it was kind of our responsibility that's why we pay for it and it was it was all these nonsense rules the bourgeoisie uses um okay. again i'm not defending the bourgeoisie because yes the kids are poor kids are hungry kids no. steal the food well we don't even know that we don't even know that they may not even be poor or hungry but regardless as working class you know uh, proletarians we should support other working class proletarians yes. but that goes as as well for the workers of the restaurant who are having to of course in the material yeah, oh, again um, again hold on Support mean doesn't mean like we're cheering one side on like we're at a football match. No, no, no. Of course, it, it means no, no, economic. It means it, no. I know you're not, but I'm saying this to the people who accuse somebody of supporting one side <laughs> or the other. It's not like they're turning up at a sports event and cheering one side over the other. It, it's more like when you're talking about supporting the working class, it's more like 
I, I want to change those economic conditions right. that allow somebody to feel the need to have to go to a restaurant and run off without paying. That is yeah. that is what, what right. Marxists should support. Can, can, I, can I speak on this? Because sorry, sorry, Tom, but I think I should speak on this because uh, it's been kind of a hectic week on Twitter with all the uh, the cancelling, um, especially with with Kate who's our friend, who's been, like, cancelled left and right for no reason. But um, I think that, that video, right, let's just make it clear. The kids were not in the right, and no one ever said they were. Like, no one ever advocated yeah. for dining and dashing. No one ever advocated for the same thing. However, people defending the bourgeoisie who happens to be a millionaire who sexually assaults its workers um, are in the wrong and should not be doing so as communists because it's just mm. cringe. Like, even without the whole sexual assault and owning George Best's old house and being a millionaire, you should not be doing so. Like, it's, it's just wrong. Like, it doesn't matter. Okay, this might be, this might be controversial, but it doesn't matter what race you are. Like, Class struggle is still the same thing, and at the end of the day, the capitalist class will be made up of many different races. And for example, the the people of colour capitalist class will side with the white bourgeoisie over over the people of colour uh, workers at all times. They will. And That's a prime fact. example of that is Bolivia. It's a fact because yeah. that's the profit motive, and that's exactly what communism is against. Like, we should not ever. Oh. <laughs> I mean, heck, that veto. Is everything alright? Like, we yeah, should no, not. Uh, I was... <laughs> oh, you, you, you can go. You, you, you can go on. <laughs> no, I was just going to say we should not ever be siding on the side of capital, like. It doesn't matter how the kids behaved. Like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. Kids... <laughs> what is going on, Vito? Are you in like an earthquake? No, no. no. I was just. It... Uh, I was just like having a bit of a, a, a night. Um... Night working hours and uh, all right. It sounded, it sounded like, like the world was ending. I think we should leave that in. I think we should leave that in. This is brilliant. Like, it's, right, the viewers, yeah. I was, I was, I was worried. Like, I thought it was going to be like earthquake in Hong Kong. Yeah, I, I think we should leave it in too. But, but all, right. I, all I was saying is that as communists, we should not be siding with the bourgeoisie against the working class and. It, on an economic ground, not on a, oh, like no, an no, 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 yeah, yeah, no, not on what, not on an action. No, because you should still be saying to those kids, "Look, it is wrong to go Wait. into somebody's." Like at the end of the day, right? Let the me explain. Let that... me explain. Let me explain. Let me explain. Because neoliberal capitalism is what we're against as communists, right? And the kind of the consequences of that is what's evident in that video. That's yeah, exactly yeah. what's evident. And these kids, yes, they're twats. They think, oh, we can get free food. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're hungry, but who cares? 
they think, oh, we can get free food against these people, uh, blah, blah, blah. But the thing that people were against was siding with the bourgeoisie and saying, oh, these kids are chavs, these kids are druggies, because that's not a communist analysis. That is mm. anti-fucking class. And just siding with the bourgeoisie just because they're people of colour, okay, is, is not Marxist. Yes. That's, okay. that's all I'm going to say. And talking of siding with the bourgeoisie, Let's get on to Thailand because we've got a, we've got a chat about this. So, Sammy, you've done a little bit of uh, research into Thailand, so you you kick us off on on what's just going on over there. Well, Thailand is a very recent case. Uh, if we think about it, we haven't had much time to really have a look at what's going on and what's going on behind the scenes. But from what we can all gather, the protest movement as protests, they have uh, two kinds of demands or two sets of demands. Um, the first one is summary of demands on reform of the monarchy, or they the, uh, demand reforms of the monarchy. Uh, but the what they call the three core demands for the protests, and this is what like uh, is pointed out by the student leaders and such. Mm -hmm. the, those, one, uh, those three core ones are, are much more... Uh, indica indicative of like NED backing, uh, like the classical color revolution kind of thing. One of uh, number one is dissolution of the House of Parliament. Uh, obviously, they they do that in everywhere in every case of color revolution. Number yep. two, qu a very vague phrase ending the intimidation of the people, and number three, drafting a new con constitution. Now the classics. Exactly. As opposed to the other set of demands, which is reforming of the monarchy, they have a lot more concrete demands like revoking the king's immunity against lawsuits, revoking several laws giving the, the uh, king several sets of powers, royal uh, separate the king's personal royal assets, all sorts of a lot more concrete demands. And also like the last one, uh, their 10 points, permitting the king to endorse, uh, endorse further coups, uh, seize propaganda around the king, open assets of the monarchy to audit. So you have these two sets of demands. One set which is being pushed hugely by the appointed leadership of the protests, which are very similar to Hong Kong, by the way. And visually, are... as, visually as well, very similar. Not not just in, in worded demands, visually very exactly. similar. Exactly. The demands that are put forward, these three quarters, are so vague, as opposed to the other ones who, to be honest, like nobody ever hears about. And another point is, you've we've witnessed very close contact between the student leaders in Thailand and the uh, Hong Kong activists, such as Joshua Wong. Yeah, they've been tweeting each other, haven't they? And and mentioning each other and retweeting each other and getting a bit pally. Josh Wong will do anything for a bit of fame, though. Is it a case of that? Or is it more uh, that they are directly linked? Because all those Hong Kong, Nathan Law, you know, Josh Wong, they've made careers out of being protest grifters. So you know. I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. This, it might be a bit early to tell, but... They've they got this really... milk tea alliance thing, haven't they? Exactly. But when you look at 
their like if you compare their vocal support if you compare their vocal support between like the protests their support in the for the protests in Indonesia and the ones in Thailand they've pretty much never spoke about the protests in Indonesia which had like very solid uh, working class uh, uh, basis pretty mm. much well yeah of all, course all, all the protests Wang is not going to put himself behind an actual working class movement is it and i think that that is a key point that you raise because Josh Wong's become such of a clown sort of Nazi Tim Pop uh, idiot that like or, if, or... if he is supporting your cause, your cause is probably not worth supporting. Exactly. I've long had I've long had this pinned tweet on my Twitter saying, uh, and I was quoting someone who who was saying a Liban a Lebanese activist actually who was saying, oh, we don't have time to. Uh, voice our opposition to Israel. That's back when like the Lebanese protests are kicking off. I I quoted that saying, if you don't have time for anti-imperialism, then you are prizing as a trap. Yeah, exactly. You see yeah. the same in Belarus as well, don't you? It's, it's... Exactly. And also, Joshua Wong hasn't even talked about the protests in Nigeria, who are protesting against the SARS. I believe it's called the SARS, uh, uh, organ of the state. Uh, who, which is known historically for mass repression of the working class, also funded heavily and armed heavily by mainly Britain and European imperialist powers. Mm. And yeah, that, another point is like the, again, another similar feature of the t protests in Thailand on some occasions, obviously not just all occasions, is the vandalism to public places like traffic lights. Same tactics. Uh, Exactly, the same tactics. Yeah, well, I think maybe Josh Wong is too busy pretending to be an Arsenal supporter so he can back people who support <laughs> Xinjiang terrorism to back Nigerian <laughs> protests. <laughs> pretending you're an uh, Arsenal fan. Yeah. What, what is there, he there, doing? There, there, there was this, like, uh, I think Sam just talked about why they would join in with the Thailand um, protests it's because unlike Indonesia where they their protests were aimed by the um, working class about uh, whatever their grievances are regarding their businesses or uh, whatever they it, it's like they he somehow found like similar target audiences it's like with with um, with adult, uh, with teenagers and kids that uses like revolutionary um, like hand gestures from Hunger Games or like yeah. they're, they're using pop culture to sort of like ramify the like that to sort of like that's a real technique speak, as well. Speak to like how 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 uh how, how much uh. How much you're influenced by the USA is how much pop yeah. culture references. Yeah, you see it with that Hunger Games yeah. symbol. Now, what I was going to say is yeah. like Josh Wong, uh, he's, he's like a litmus for what's good and bad. If he, you know, his support just yeah. confirms to me that uh, it's not worthy of support. And then all you've got to do is look at the student leaders' um, tweets, and he's got. Scroll down his feed, and he's quoting American politicians, and he's he's quoting like George Washington and Richard Nixon. He also and... quoted 
Winston Churchill. Exactly. Oh, no, no, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the Thai the Thai student leader. So oh, anyway, okay. I've seen one quote Churchill, but anyway, this Thai leader he's got anti-China tweets on his on his uh, thing, and then and then lo, lo and behold, Thailand is what Belt and Road material is it, Tom? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, uh, Thailand was one of the because it is a U.S. aligned state uh, militarily. It's got a military alliance and, and buys military equipment from the USA um, up until fairly recently. Um, it was in America's like defensive web, the uh, controlling China web of defensive fortifications. Um, but their their recent parliaments have been more pro-China um, and have agreed um, on infrastructure deals um, as part of the Belt and Road Initiative, including um, basically a, a redoing of Thailand's northern rail system um, as it, as high-speed rail um, in the same kind of style as China's high-speed domestic high-speed rail is. Um, yeah. uh, there was quite a, kind of a lot of opposition, internal opposition, because obviously there are a lot of pro-US forces, um, but it did get approved in November of 2019. Um, it, you know, so it, this is kind of, it, it's just another another one. As soon as you get the RI um, kind of connectivity going on, that's it, you, you're doomed, you're getting cooed. It's kind of interesting because I kind of just had this realization that uh, obviously, like Thailand is, is not the most prog- um, cr- progressive of countries. They have a monarchy, US aligned monarchy, with heavy military ties to uh, US imperialists, obviously. But it's obvi- it, we see that the anger coming from the people and these protests that have sprung up with legitimate grievances, may I point out, and with these demands okay. of the reformation of the monarchy, have been, number one, that anger has been co-opted, as like the NED does, and the NED affiliate organizations or NGOs, and they've just pushed aside, from what it seems, the, these reforming the monarchy demands, and put forward the aforementioned uh three core demands which are so vague and have no concrete obvious aims whatsoever allows them to do whatever they want once they've taken power exactly and the dissolution of the house of parliament this is a bit of a red flag because if you just if you have dissolution of the house of parliament that gives a massive opportunity for pro-us forces to just do whatever they want you just you just create a new government. I mean, Americans do this. They've got that East Turkestan government in exile. You know, they just do this. It's like exactly. a technique. You just do it and then pretend that like the legitimate government is is here. You just like, start. Re- of, Go on. Yeah, what it's kind of like weird because the United States designated um, like the uh, ETIM as like a terrorist um, organization, and yet they somehow like allow like um a lot of the uh, subversive elements like the independence thing where they were they were like um having a lot of the so-called uh Uyghur activists who uh somehow got their footing in the United States that despite the fact that the United States have been waging wars against uh, Muslim countries for over like two decades, and somehow we haven't really heard anything that they wanted to 
uh, not wanting to affiliate with the United States because of like how uh, and instead they're, they're just going to say, oh, uh, look at how um, the PRC is, it's making them more repressed and whatever. Yeah, and I think it, it raises an interesting point that's linked to Bolivia, this Thai stuff, and their, and their sort of turn to the Belt and Road uh, because, uh, like you said, Tom, Belt and Road has been seen in both countries. Um, and the USA does not like that. Zena, have you got anything to add to this? Yeah, I just want to bring back to the Thailand um, Thailand protest. Um, yeah, that's what we're talking recently, about. Go ahead. Yeah, because recently I just saw a report. It's just only issued like on 20, 21st September 2020. And it's about a Thailand's plan to build a canal in Thailand to bypass Strait of Malacca. Because like the Strait of Malacca is basically the most important canal in Asia. It links Asia um, to, to the West and so on. So I think like uh, because like recent years, uh, Thailand government wants to uh, strengthen the relationship between China and, and Thailand. So and also like if once we all know like um, the, Amer the United States has a lot of influence over the Strait of Malacca. But if like Thailand can really build that another canal to, um, to help bypass that, so you will help strengthen. Definitely will help strengthen the relationship with them, on um, China and Thailand because like they can China can use another, sorry, another canal which will which will bypass also the influence of the U.S. and that's why it also can help like help the Chinese government to. Um, for the, the, uh, the, the Bell and Road initiative. So I think we yeah. might need, yeah, we might also can take this into consideration because like uh, this, if, because basically the, the plan will be huge if they're gonna, they really pass it and trying to build it. This shouldn't just be taken into consideration. This should be considered probably the most important reason for the protests. Uh, I didn't know about this canal. Uh, it's really interesting you talking about that. Um, but knowing how important the Strait of Malacca is to the USA um, makes this 100% yeah. make sense because, as Zena said, it's one of the most integral trade routes um, of Asia. It's a, it's a choke point. Um, I'm just going to kind of get the map up so I don't get this wrong. It's a choke point between Singapore and Kuala Lumpur um, in Malaysia. Singapore and Malaysia, sorry. Um, so it's, between, it's a very narrow strait between these two land masses. Um, and, and also, yeah, I just want to add a one point because, like, um, I read uh, read about also China's history, like basically the um the maritime maritime like trade. They also, I from when I saw those maps, they uh, the first they were definitely going through the Strait of Malacca and then going to maybe something before it's gonna they're gonna go to Middle East and then go to bypass the Indian Ocean and maybe go to Red Sea and then Mediterranean. It's kind of like a, that Strait of, Strait of Malacca, it's really important. It's not just for Asia and also for Europe and also for um, Middle East. That's why like the yeah. US really has like a lot of influence in there or even like military or something. It's Go been on, called uh, China, China's jugular vein, this, this particular um, choke point, because the USA is known for years that if they shut down this, this choke point, the Malacca Strait, it's the most important 
trade vessel for China. Um, 85% of China's imports, these figures are from 2016 before the BRI um, main, like, you know, production mainly began. Um, so these figures are, may not still be correct, but in 2016, 85% of China's imports transited, uh, transited the, um, the Malacca Strait and 90% of China's oil imports came through the Malacca Strait. So basically, <clears throat> if America shuts down the Malacca Strait, um with warships or with whatever other kind of blockade they want to do um and basically china is starved of oil then um this is the this is the entire reason why the belt and road initiative was founded was to get over china's um you know reliance on this choke point and as zina said if um thailand was to partner with china build this canal it would create a second kind of um nexus i'm looking at the map of southeast asia now because it is kind of like it, it would basically not only would it cut travel time down if you bisected through through the Thai um, kind of peninsula there, um, but also it would kind of like it would prevent the USA from having that ability to freeze all of China's naval trade. And um, obviously, the Belt and Road Initiative does seek to kind of branch out with new trade routes, new land and new sea trade routes to kind of you know uh, avoid the reliance on this particular um, you know what's the word waterway i suppose yeah and it's not it's not beyond the imperialist powers to start wars or you know over canal canal just a simple canal because they they've fucked around with panama and and they fucked around yeah. with egypt suez suez yeah. suez and panama have, have both felt the any time a canal is, then, is uh, not even canals just look, at, just look at britain even hold of gibraltar Gibraltar is the same. It's a choke point on the Mediterranean. If you control Gibraltar, yeah. you control everything that is coming through that that mouth of the Mediterranean. So it's the reason why Britain won't get out of that like little bit of like. It's not because they're like monkeys on a rock. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> because it's it's a guard point, isn't it? No, you're right. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. anyway, do you think that the the whole Thai royal thing has been? Um, like I said, these legit these are legitimate causes that get co opted, like by the US. You saw the Ukraine people had like legitimate uh, grievances uh, grievance with the the ineffective, you know, ineffectivity of the the government in Ukraine, and that's how the protest started. Uh, Hong Kong people didn't like like a certain bill in Hong Kong, and you know, Hong Kong's government. It does have room for criticism because of because of like how how it's been left by the British. So there is room for that criticism in Hong Kong, and, and people do get you know antagonised. And then you know you could say that that first weekend when there was million a millions people out apparently or thousands, that a lot of those that not everybody there was like a Josh Wong following rioter. That's what came after after yeah. it was co opted sort of thing. And, and they and always that, they they always like wait for a movement to take off. Like exactly naturally at first, so that it can kind of build up a bit of popular support and kind of you know get the as you say it's always kind of you know genuine grievances like with Thailand specifically. Um, I watched a video. It was a YouTube video, so I don't know how accurate this information is. Um, and if someone wants to correct me about this, I'm perfectly happy to be corrected. Um, but apparently, criticism of the Thai king online is highly um illegal in Thailand. To the extent that you can get multiple years in prison for it, um, yeah, and Facebook comment you post. 
and stuff okay. like that. So it's like it does sound like it does have some extremely repressive elements. It's also run by a military junta. Um, yeah, exactly. So there's legitimate problems. So, you know, we're on. not as communists. We're not sitting here saying yes, we love the king and the military junta. That's not what we're coming from. We're just saying why is America trying to overthrow their own puppet state with a new um, kind of puppet government? What's going wrong there? And that's what we need to kind of look at analytically and kind of think to ourselves, well, why is this happening? Because it's not a traditional situation where America is overthrowing, like, you know, uh, uh, one of China's allies or, or one of Russia's yeah. allies. It's, or like it's, that. Not, it's not just a matter of being co-opted. It's another matter of jumping on the protests and the anger of the people and sweeping the legitimate demands aside, just yes. like I mentioned earlier. Yes, and mm. Hong Kong is a prime example of that right now because they, they, Josh Wong's going on about these 12 criminals who can't be brought back to Hong Kong. But like last year, you were fighting the government against an extradition bill. That was what America jumped on. And now you've got, it's almost like a, a, you've gone full circle. They would have been able to get extracted <laughs> back home if you'd not protested against the extraction bill. It's that same thing, and the, you know the, the irony is Joshua Wong protesting for the extradition of <laughs> exactly. That's how he's ended up. Them, it? Yeah. But but these legitimate, you know, Belarus is the same. People have a legitimate, like you know, everybody's going to think, well, there's, there's been a bit of corruption in the in the election if if the result comes in eighty percent in favour, but. It, Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. But that's not an excuse for the USA to just jump on these movements and and sow fascism straight into them. And in places like that are that have people that are not just like students, like in Hong Kong and and Thailand and places like Ukraine, the stuff that the US do in Europe ends with like actual war, not just like a little battle with umbrellas against police. Actual war. Now, if you go and look at what they've done in Ukraine, it's disgusting. You had NATO, you had NATO just shelling. Well, not NATO, but you had the Ukraine backed with NATO, just shelling towns in the east, just to yeah. obliterating them. You know, it's stuff well, that like, Westerners can't even comprehend happening. Um, an interesting thing with this this Thai protest, particularly, is um, like. They're not going up against like a Hong Kong police force that has the global media eye trained on it, trained on it constantly, um, and like you know, watching um, everything that the Hong Kong police do, so they have to use restraint. Um, but basically, the Thai police—they are, as I say, they're they're a military-backed uh, hunter government, so they're going to be utilizing force to put this down if they think that it's going to, you know like uh, compromise their aims they're not as highly kind of my point being like the, the global media doesn't care as much about about thailand as it does about china so thailand will just brutally put these protests down they will just start shooting protesters like you know it, it's it's not a country where uh, police brutality and, and force from like the armed forces and stuff is uh, such a, a rarity anyway well, they've had to lie about police brutality in Hong Kong, haven't they? To get this point. Exactly, that's yeah. what I'm saying. But in Thailand, it's it's not the, you know, there. I've seen a lot of Chinese comrades who look like on Twitter saying like, you know, the Thai police are a lot more brutal than Hong Kong police. And well, of course, this is what I'm saying. International eye on them. So Hong Kong police to... are so not brutal. They've had to fake exactly. the, 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 you know. Yeah. 
is there like any reason why why like just as you described like the Thai police are much more brutal than the Hong Kong police is there like any any reason why uh like is there is this some sort of like a strategic reason why it was like focused more on Thailand than like Hong Kong just like last year is there a specific reason why uh, there's not as much focus on Thailand? I yeah, think I yeah, think yeah, the, yeah. the reason for that is is because it's one, it's not against China. Two, Thailand is 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 not like seen as a, still a Western colony, you know. Like Hong, you still got people in in you still got posh people in Britain who talk about you know we, Britain should take Hong Kong back. We should have never handed it over. You know, we still got those. The sort of bell end. Um, I think, I think Thailand is just not cared about as much in the West. To answer it, it's simple, uh, simple as that. But do you think that the royal thing has been stoked up by these sort of color revolutionaries to try and get left support? Because one thing that the the US really fucked up with in Hong Kong is not getting any sort of global leftist support, apart from some like weird. Like anarchists, so uh, that, that are on their own. Really, is that one thing? Is that one lesson that America's learned? Because, like I said earlier, they're not. There's no. There's no. Ukraine was easy because all you had to do was like uh, incite the fascists and, and arm them and give them a bit of money to do some like football hooligan style training camps and then and then let them run loose because they you know Ukraine's that kind of place where. Where blokes have got big hands, do you know what I mean? They, they're going to go in fighting. It's not Hong Kong. It's all just like skinny students, isn't it? And and all these like pop culture symbols. So, uh, oh yeah, I broke up then. But anyway, so into the so-called struggle. So anyway, do you think that this royal thing has been thrust to the forefront? Because you've got you see people on you seeing people on Twitter that are like, "Why is the left not supporting these anti-royal thing? Why why are tankies not supporting this anti-royal?" It's almost like America's and these they've thought, "Well, if we attack the royals, then uh, then we'll get the left support." Go on, Zena. Yeah, I was just talking about back to the point about the Hong Kong protests. I I noticed um, there are some Hong Kong protesters. They are trying to paint uh, China as a capitalist country, just in order to gain support from, especially from the Western leftists. Do oh yeah. Know, have you seen like, um, for example, like a Lawson L L A U S A N? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, newspaper. They're just also trying to. You see, like um. The leftist movement have been a have been a huge trend recently, like especially in within the U.S. border and also within the Western sphere. And then you started to see like a lot of Hong Kong protesters. They're trying to um, paint the Chinese government as a capitalist, as a non-leftist, a leftist government, leftist party. So they just trying to, in one way, they're trying to, um, trying to decry the. To the Chinese government as um, authoritarian, and in other way, they're trying to uh, denounce the Chinese government as not socialist anymore. 
So they're just trying to gain support from the both sides, from the left side and the right side, or from the Western countries. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's very reminiscent of the CIA setting up the uh, the um, the Congress for Cultural Freedom to pit leftists in the fifties and sixties onwards against the Soviet Union. Yeah, exactly. Right. I was yeah. going to say, uh, if you look at who who, if you look at the people who work for that uh, Laosan. Uh, place uh, they're, they're all uh, ned former ned sort of like donation receivers and and, and students who've worked you know people who've been on internships at, at very dodgy american sort of newspapers so, so these are the exact these are the people these are the people that are um these are the people that are trying to push this leftist line. They're not leftists yeah. who who have been tricked into supporting Hong Kong. These are the like Sammy just said. These are the the, the sort of state act actors that are um, creating this like left support. Now they they have got no chance getting popular support for the Hong Kong writers because people know um, people know what Josh Wong's like. They know he's like a homophobe missionary kid who you know has got no not socialist bone in his body so it can't be done there really these laosan losers will, will will never get popular left support working class support for the hong kong protest so it's almost like in thailand they have to do this like attack the royalty thing which serves their yeah, interest I, as well remember because like you said tom the royalty is part of the this switch towards china now, is is this switch towards China also, um, like we've seen in Bolivia and what we were talking about earlier, the fact that uh, allying with the USA actually gets you nowhere. So the Thai government have had enough and, and have, have started it's, to move towards China. Go on. Well, a lot of um, a lot of Southeast Asian nations are currently in the process of doing that. Um, obviously, you've got you've got like you've got like multiple different kinds of like subsets of an Asian nation like you've got like kind of the the independent ones which are like the ones which pursue their own foreign policy and literally do not care um about what anyone else has to say like China um to a lesser extent Mongolia like you know Mongolia is kind of US funded to some extent sometimes pro China that's a, it's a bit of a weird situation but you've got like like the the countries which are basically just us like war puppets like south korea japan um and these other ones which are never ever going to change in influence um but you've also got these other ones like the ones that america doesn't care too much about but still is like kind of loosely allied with like the philippines like uh vietnam to some extent uh thailand all of these countries um but most of these countries now are turning over to China, and um, especially since the pretty much since the Belt and Road Initiative has been launched, they've sort they've seen China is providing growth, um, international camaraderie, um, and you know a strengthening of Asian um, and African nations ties, um, whereas they've been under how many years of U.S. neoliberalism, um, you know like maybe 40, 50 years of U.S. neoliberalism. And none, none of those countries have seen any significant growth during that period of time. Um, but mm -hmm. they've seen how rapidly China has grown. So a lot of them are switching their position. Like Obviously, as I've said, the, the, the countries which are essentially U.S. puppet states, such as South Korea um, and uh, Japan, 
they, they have no chance of, of becoming pro-China because they are, unless they have a, a popular revolution which forces the US out, um, then that's never going to happen. That's only going to happen when the US is forced out um, and opinions are allowed to change. Um, to some extent, though, like South, South Korea does actually kind of keep its cards close to its chest. It doesn't really actually say any anti-China rhetoric um, and kind of, you know, it, it buys Huawei 5G technology and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's quite interesting case, actually. It's one of the U.S.'s puppet states, but it's quite like um, economically aligned to China. Um, what is also interesting is like pretty much all of these Asian countries are reliant on trade with China. Pretty much every country in Asia relies on trade with China in order for its economy to work. Like in China most is, of the world. Yes, but to a much greater extent in Asia, like over 70% of their economic trading will be with the, with China in, in most cases, and more so with, with countries like, you know, Bhutan, Laos, and Nepal, where they've only got kind of a couple of choices anyway. Um, but the, the, the point being like, you know, um, America is has only been useful as this kind of trade partner while it was in while it was doing well itself, and because obviously capitalism is now in decay and it's fallen to pieces, and America's gone America first, and they've withdrawn all of their assets back to the the home shore, as it were, all their financial assets and the, the kind of you know the the increase in nationalism and the the anti Asian racism and stuff. All of these factors are pushing Southeast Asian nations into China's hands. Not that China's like sitting there laughing evilly and, you know, stroking its beard or anything. It, it, China's just sitting there saying, well, you know, it's a geopolitical game. If countries want to ally themselves with us, that's perfectly fine. It will strengthen relations. It will lead to a peaceful Middle East, uh, peaceful Asia, peaceful Africa, a prosperous, you know, all of them places as well. Um, and America's like, no, we can't have that. We must destroy it. We must. And I think it. that's a good point, right? And while you're list- while you're saying that just about China, I'm thinking, well, the same is happening in in Europe. The you know countries are starting to slowly fall into Russian influence. You know, Germany after the USA have you know been caught hacking their phones, Germany start side with Russia more. Brexit in the UK is a prime example of a prime opportunity for for Russia to to do more trade with an independent UK and isolate it from from Europe and then so Europe's sort of moving away from the sphere of of America and towards Russia naturally because America just offers nothing to to Europe apart from well we'll just put some some uh, military bases on your on your land and stop and stop socialism from from growing in but western Europe France. Yeah, bring McDonald's as well. Exactly, and, and bring McDonald's, you know. And so they spent a bit of Marshall Plan money like 70 years ago. It's, it's almost like that's that was their plan 70 years. And it, it's it's the same now. They've not improved on that. So that's why the sphere of influence changes towards Russia. And then in the Middle East, you've got, you've got, you've, you've got influence will start to shift away from, well, it's happening, isn't it? Away from... Uh, Saudis and 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 into Iran and uh, and Syria and these places that are, and you know back to Iraq these places that are keeping out the USA because another... the USA is like it's it's had like military hegemony of the world for like how many years like maybe forty years um well, yeah like towards the end of the U the USSR and that now yeah. like where we're at um the USA has been unopposed 
it's chosen countries it didn't like and it destroyed them. It 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 said like we don't even need the backing of you know the UN or even our allies to do it. We will destroy whoever we want. Elon Musk, we will coup whoever we want. You know, they're brazen and open about it. And I think all of this kind of rhetoric now, because they're going so mask off open imperialistic um rhetoric in the in the open world as well and and now everyone's seeing it for what it is it's kind of just like well you know it's bound to happen isn't it like it's the, the switch to china russia or or whoever the alternative is locally yeah. to you is bound to happen because the the, the failures of america have been seen as, as it gets more as it gets more brazen um they're gonna get lose more support and it's the same you know it goes back to uh uh, bolivia doesn't it the fact that america have bullied south america for so long means that like bolivian uh independence and uh, is gonna go up and that's why venezuela is able to just sit there and, and palm off the u.s because you know people just don't want this uh they just don't want it you know they don't want the U.S. to come in and do nothing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I think I think uh, if they're trying that in Thailand, it's not going to end well for Thai people when all the when the dust settles and the cameras have gone away, you know, and it's everybody's forgotten about the Thai protest. It's not going to go well. You'll end oh. up you'll either end up with a full U.S. government that just drains the resources or you'll end up like ukraine where it's been a civil war for for eight years now or whatever just just one more thing just uh, finishing up this subject in the case of lebanon today i believe or yesterday or what the prime minister the person who was the prime minister for quite a while prior to 2018 when after the lebanese elections of which the result wasn't very satisfactory to the us because uh, Hezbollah gained uh, the majority of the populace, popular vote. Hezbollah and its uh, and its uh, ally Amr. Um, Saad al Hariri, uh, who was like the prime minister today, was just re reinserted as prime minister, and there is no outrage about this, especially coming from the NGOs who were really. Uh, cre- not creating, but co-opting the uproar of the uh, of the people from yeah. last year, and he's the same U.S. Saudi puppet. Because who, no, because the the cameras have shut off. Exactly. Like, yeah. Now, onto our. I'm sure we've all been waiting to talk about this. Oh man, it's been quite uh, a couple of days, hasn't it, with this subject? The Communist Party of the Philippines and their interview oh. with Radio Free Asia. Ah! Before we, before we jump into the Philippine issue, um, I just want to mention like which can lead to Philippine issue as well. I just like re- realized like um, there's um, the United States has had passed the. And the initiative acts in 2018, I think it's 2018. Yeah, after Donald Trump. And it's basically in that it is called Asia Reassurance Initiative Act of 2018. And there's one point you mentioned is in its um, government report. It's just, it says appropriated funds shall also be used to counter China's attempts to undermine the international system. And though the reason 
while the past bill is just to get the USA to get back to the Asia, to mm. Southeast Asia and Asia. And that's why we we see a lot of conflicts between Southeast Asian countries and China, including Philippines, and even recently Thailand, um, also Indonesia or, some, or Vietnam, or some other Asian East Southeast Asian countries. Yeah, that's the point I want to bring up. Um, Sammy, you can go ahead with the Philippines. Well, I'm pretty sure that uh, like it's not just me who's gonna open this up. It's because like we've all talked about this before. Like obviously, uh, outside of the podcast, mm -hmm. basically, both the spokesperson and the father, the ideological head of the Communist Party of the Philippines, I believe, he still is the leader. Valbuena yeah. and Sison, respectively spoke to a Radio Free Asia and stated that they will target Chinese companies, including those who are blacklisted by the United States. They, uh, they would target Chinese companies who are having economic activity and investing in uh, the Philippines as a part of the Belt and Road Initiative. They have also openly allied themselves with the liberal opposition to Duterte, who has massive historical ties to Washington. So essentially a very pro-US section of the government. Well, you've said it all there, haven't you, Sammy? Um, like back to what Zena just said one minute prior about how that new bill specifically targets anything China is doing to undermine the global system. That's just a, that's just a synonym for uh, basically, we will stop the Belt and Road. That's what that's saying um, in bill format. Now, when you have any group that specifically states their aims are to critically attack any Belt and Road initiative-based uh, industry, you can pretty much track the CIA money back to back to fucking you know back to the HQ directly. Um, oh, with these particular Maoists, you know the 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 Maoists, but they're they're not combating liberalism they're you know collaborating with liberalism to fight the uh fight the communism you know it just seems it doesn't, mean, doesn't, doesn't seem very maoist to me but you know i don't i don't i don't, I don't subscribe it's, to maoist it's, it's quite clear that if you pose the question like are they benefiting u.s presence in southeast asia that the answer is yes like that's just a fact and like all these Maoists, if, yeah. they but get so that's angry. That's the thing we should, we should, yeah. we should um, critically stand against any any attempt for the USA to gain a foothold in Asia. Now they uh, they use any anything they can. They've got literally the two puppet states I was talking about before. Um, they use coups, they use assassinations, they use genocides, like in Indonesia. Um, and you know the the. The, the U.S. is is it's an evil, evil empire. We don't want them in Asia. China is kicking them no, out bit by bit. You're right. Um, and and when you see Maoists, Western Maoists, saying, "Oh well, I support the uh, the Communist Party of the Philippines," why why do they support it? They support no, it because I know. They, yeah. Carry on. That, that, that's my point. Like, do they know any of its actual policies? They don't really care because, you know, they always talk about how much uh, combating liberalism is the most important thing, but obviously siding with the liberals is fine and all this. You know, they, they, they don't care. 
Um, but they will always take it back to, oh, well, China once sold some some assault rifles to the Philippines. Yeah, that's um, exactly what I was going to say. And, yeah. and they, there you go. So China's committing a genocide against Maoists. No, China is helping out a geopolitical ally while the USA is trying to use, basically, as we've all discussed previously, Maoism is now like kind of the new acceptable face of Trotskyism. Um, in the West, in, in the West yeah, you know, we're not yeah, saying West, that we're not saying that the Filipino party are Trotskyists. Uh, no, no, not necessarily. They're fans. What I'm saying is, the fans definitely are. But what I'm saying is that they definitely have um, very, very suspicious friends, and you should always look at who people's friends are. Um, and when you start seeing anything related to the CIA kind of touching your kind of movement, I don't want to be within 500 feet of it. Like you know what I mean? I, like anything, anything with CIA backing, anything that Joshua Wong is supporting, you know, anything of this kind of caliber is just to be unilateral. I don't think. I, I don't opinion. think Joshua also, Wong is going to support Maoists. No, also, no, no. It's talking more funny. about the, the Thai things. However, though, Joshua Wong will support America against Ted. China, which is what the Maoists support. Like the Maoists in the Philippines, they they literally do support. China, no, America influence against Chinese influence in the area. There will be a tweet by Josh Wong that says, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm no communist, but critical support to the Maoists in the Philippines. Yeah, you probably will. You probably will. One of three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just going to hold on. I think all this is a good, it's it's a good lesson in when you follow uh a theory dogmatically without uh, any sense checks at all um yeah well that that's you know, why you get the that's why you get them saying the bolivian revolution oh let's wait for a maoist people's war after they've just won <laughs> an an election against fucking us imperialism that you know what they they're just wankers and like i've recently all right i've recently been accused of by these fucking Maoist goons of bombing Yugoslavia. But like... I, think, I think, hold on though, well, before you <laughs> no, carry no. on, hold on, before you carry on, I think that we've got to make the point of like, there is a big difference between uh, the Maoists in the Philippines and, and Twitter Maoists, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, wait, 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 okay. I'll make this point right now. I'll make this point right now because I 100% support the Maoists in the Philippines. 100 percent but i disagree with their stance on china that yes. that's exactly where i that's that's where i end it and okay i retweet things and i tweet things that annoy the maoists on twitter but that's because they're so terminally online that they're so easy to annoy that's their fault how i will but that's that's twitter maoists not the communist party yeah, but i this I, is the thing, isn't it? Like these no, people, exactly. these people on Twitter think that they're connected to them. They they think they're connected to this struggle in Philippines just because they self-identify as a Maoist. That's just not how it works. Like you know, that's like me saying I'm in Guns and Roses because I'm a Guns and Roses fan. You know, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a Guns and Roses fan, by the way. But I was going to yeah. say they suck. You better yeah. not be. Fuck it, hell. There's just the first, you know, like rock band I could think of to no, to bring up. But. but 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 can I can I apologise for my uh, for my actions of uh, bombing Yugoslavia? 
because yeah, you shouldn't I, have done that, Harrison. Like no, that was bad. I I do apologise for uh, my my interference in in bombing Yugoslavia, and I was apologise to the Serbian people. Yeah, no, I do, and I was only one years old. However, that's not an excuse because one-year-old people can be reactionary too. You know. Uh, okay. Okay. Apology. Ac- <laughs> apology accepted. But on back to the topic. Back yeah, to back. the topic of real of real-world Maoism, and not your not your infinite scraps with with Twitter Maoists. Um, but just let, let me... this is this is a lesson in 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 following theory dogmatically. I think. But at the same time, you know, um, it's Mao himself who who started this sort of rot that's allowed to be jumped on when he started what you know when the Soviet Union and and, uh, and China split and and inventing terms like social imperial, you know, or social fascist or whatever these stupid terms that imperialist countries have just jumped on and ran on. And this is because they will do everything in their power to like exasperate any kind of split in the left-wing movement. So this is why you're seeing, it's not like you said, we we, we support the, the Filipino worker struggle, yeah? Mm-hmm. But we see that their movement is being exasperated to cause a split between the workers of the Philippines and, and, the, and the workers of China. And they've been very successful in this, you know? We've got to learn. Oh, we've got to learn. Yeah, yeah, we've got to learn from, like, the history of, of, and work out, and this is why you know it's so easy for. Uh, it, this is like a subject of tonight. You know, every protest sort of tankies, tankies, or, or Marxist Leninists of, of end up on the right side because they will look at history and and they will try and work out who's on our side and who we disagree with and how can we forge that that anti-imperialist like alliance to to beat down America. And this is what you see in Bolivia. And this is why, you know, Hong Kong protests failed and will never get leftist support. Um, I think the overall kind of, uh, you know, when people say like, oh, why don't tankies support the, the Thai protest? Why don't tankies support this? Why don't tankies support that? Isn't that just evident that they will blindly support anything provided it supports their aesthetic, whereas we will actually analytically look at every situation well, and yeah, this is why our Josh... opinion on material dialectics before This is why people like Josh speak. Wong... Or just end up comedic like beggars, like you know, pretending he's an Arsenal fan and jumping on any any cause that that will net him a couple more subscribers on Patreon. Now his movement's dead and his career as an activist is like over. You know, he's got people say people. Someone said to me today, why why doesn't he just go to America? Like, and I was like, well, if he goes to America, he's gonna have to get a real job because once he gets to America, he's got no, he can't say anything. You know. Mm. Not going to employ Josh Wong. So yeah, exactly. He's done. So um, Alan Gong might Epoch Times might have a job for him. I don't know why he hasn't gone looking there yet. Like because that's got to pay better than Patreon, surely. Unless his Patreon is just getting is just a way to funnel Ned money in. I don't know. It's just that <laughs> we saw this same. We saw the, the the you know Marxist Leninist saw the same thing happen, and and this is. This is something Maoists actually try and use, will use as a smear. China forged alliances with the USA against the USSR following the split. You know, they set the example that the real Maoists, the, the you know the the Communist Party of Philippines, 
they set the example that they follow not these like not the not the not what what the western armchair sort of maoists follow but they, they you know china are to blame in a way for this whole easy way to split the left through their disagreements with the ussr you know and we'd we'd be able to blame the ussr for this as well if they were still existing yeah, now, but the fact that they don't exist is also part of this split which was the split was jumped upon. Now we can say all we want about right Khrushchev and you know Gorbachev managed to destroy the Soviet Union in five years or so. You know, Brian, I think it's I think it's important to mention as well though, that like when you said China previous, it it was almost all Mao. Like this was almost all Mao's personal you know kind of say. It was him who started the Great Proletarian Cultural Revolution. It was him who exacerbated the Sino-Soviet split. Like, Mao and his... We, we do say as socialists that Mao did 70% right, 30% wrong, and a lot of his later work um, was what he did wrong, like, when it comes to, you know, all of this. And that's why we don't kind of... Why we're not Maoists. <laughs> to be, <laughs> you know, to yeah, be we, fair, to be fair, there is a massive role for the gang of there. And, like, it's not... Like, um, I, w- I wouldn't place all of the criticism on Mao because later on in his late years, the gang of four pretty much were the ones in control. One of them was yeah. Mao's wife, along with yeah, Lin no, no, Biao. No. Yeah. yeah, but we're talking more about the, ge- the geopolitical decisions that were taken by Mao, not not the internal struggle they created at the same time, specifically like, like, like doing deals with the USA and stuff like that, yeah? Yeah, but these My are problems that, hold on, these are Sorry. problems that as Marxist-Leninists we see and we don't want to happen again. So that is why we could call out this behaviour from the fee Maoists, because they're following the same path. Now, now go on, Tom. Yeah, what I was saying, Sammy, before was just basically Mao's to blame for giving, um, you know, kind of, uh, giving rise to this ultra-left movement because he started criticising his own party, he criticised the USSR, he criticised pretty much every already existing socialist movement, um, not unlike an armchair Maoist would do. Um, and it was him who started the Great Proletarian Cultural Revolution. He did then obviously start to degrade mentally and his wife took over and the gang of four gained influence and then obviously they just used his image to kind of, you know, uh, continue this ultra-left revolution. But mm. this was this was something that had to be put down by force by the People's Liberation Army in part. Like obviously, um, the Shanghai uh, kind of the, the failed uprising in Shanghai was bloodless, um, and everyone was just arrested by the police. And the ending coup was bloodless as well. But there was there was points when the People's Liberation Army, uh, the Army of the People, the Red Army, like the Communist Army, was facing off against gangs of ultra leftists like students and. Um, people that have been driven by Mao's ideas that the Soviet Union had become revisionist and stuff like this, um, and that his own party had become revisionist, and that everything was revisionist. And this kind of issue has, has given rise to this modern Maoism where they see everything as revisionist still because they're like, oh, well, you know, Mao criticised it, so where... In the we? West. But, in the West. Yeah. You're talking about in the West. Know, yeah, armchair yeah. Maoists, not, not it's, Maoist. It's a big movement. distinction because... Maoist movements particularly use the word Maoism because they're related to agrarian struggles and use large, um, you know, agrarian kind of bases like farmers and stuff as their revolutionary vanguard rather than mm. the proletariat. Um, whereas when you're talking about ideological Maoists, that's like the armchair Maoists online who like to talk about Maoist theory, which doesn't really exist because it's kind of just like 
you know books that white people have written in in china um you know and like it, that's not valid theory like when it's just criticizing china and like you know all, all yeah. of the rest of the chinese theory contradicts it my point being like the, the, the maoism as a as a political force sorry so yeah Mao, i'm no don't know maoism as a political force is is very valid like in in a lot of countries like if it was to be a people's uprising in most states now um other than the imperial core it would have to be maoist in nature um, in terms of the the, the, the the forms of warfare they use and stuff, guerrilla warfare and other kind of tactics that Mao perfected. Um, however, to to be these principled Maoists who are just just use Maoism and kind of disregard all other all other kind of uh, examples of socialism and stuff like that, these are the the ones that the CIA is kind of you know using as the new Trotskyist way to divide the left. That's what I think about that. One Harrison. No, yeah, you're bang on. And also, I just wanted to add, um, on Twitter, the little Maoist goons have been um, adding their little Twitter account of, is China socialist yet? (laughs) And they're tweeting every day, yes or no. Well, no, of course. Um, So I just wanted to let everyone know that I'll be be setting up my own Twitter account. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be setting up my own Twitter account saying is gonzalo out of prison yet um oh and every day will be no so yeah, is he, you know, yeah. enjoy that one you live for the trolling don't you, you no just, i do you know, you've actually, got you've got fans and then you've got haters all in one yeah, you know, that's what you get like, with you in in light of <laughs> all of in light of uh like What's happened? What happened uh, with the party in the Philippines is, I think, it's quite evident that today, uh, in the time we're living in, the communist movement, most well, I wouldn't say as a whole, I'd say, mostly in the Middle East, is living in an ideological crisis, especially considering, oh God, like the past year, the Lebanese Communist Party, they were openly putting themselves on the same side as well as having direct talks, quote-unquote talks, with the fascist Falange, who, by the way, number one, they took their name from Franco's Spain, the Falange, like Franco's gangs. Number two, uh, most importantly, obviously, the the fascist Falange in Lebanon have such a bloody history of massacres, especially massacring Palestinians, uh, supported and supported, uh, which were supported by Israel, obviously, because they were Israel's main men in Lebanon after Israel invaded the south of Lebanon. So, for the the Communist Party to be allying themselves with these kinds of people is just absolutely mental, especially in the context of a movement that is being co-opted for the interests of imperialism. Mm. Absolutely. Right, Zena. All movements are... Go on, Tom. Go on, Tom. Say that quick. That, that was it. Just, just basically all movements are co-opted for imperialism up there. Like if, uh, unless it's physically impossible for them to be. Like the ones uh, in Indonesia right now where you've got kind of thousands of workers on the front lines singing the Internationale in, um, in Indonesian. And like that, that's something the US can't really co-opt, isn't it? They can't really make that into their own. Um, to to be fair, to be fair, like we we don't want to be too superficial because the pro, the student protests at Tiananmen I heard were singing. 
Well, we're seeing that in the Philippines now. We're seeing the US being able to co-opt a legitimate, like you know, worker struggle. So it, it never, never be, never be so confident that they can't because we have the seen the US did co-opt Tiananmen as well. Like they, they, there was obviously the CIA funding in there, but that that started, um, you know, as I say, all of them start naturally. Generally, most of them start naturally, and then they are co-opted later on. Like the Tiananmen one was. Don't forget. Well, don't forget that the USSR was destroyed by the US. The, the you know the strongest, you know, by the um, soft power tactics. Yeah, by soft power, exactly. You know, and by Gorbachev, you know, by men on the inside. You know, it took five years in the end to knock that place out, and then they, well, they destroyed Russia. But uh, Zena, as as a as a Chinese person, what? How do you see the Philippines like right now? You know, um, the floor's um, yours. Yeah, like I think they're just trying to targeting the Chinese companies. I'm not really quite sure. Like, um, I think I saw a Filipino who posted uh, who posted some tweets about the uh about the CPP. Um, they say like uh, the the girl who posted said, um, actually, the the Philippine president used to be very quite close to the Communist Party. And they were they have they have enjoyed like quite smooth um relationship with the, with each other and only until maybe only until like um uh, the the Philippine president started to badmouthing you know the the American presidents and the American presence in Philippines and everything just gone wild like yeah. everything has just become like uh, targeting then the Communist Party started to break up with the the Philippine president and blah blah blah. So it's kind of like um we cannot just take think about the ideology. So we also maybe need to think about the whole geopolitics, like um, in Asia is especially. Yeah, basically like I, what I feel is like uh we cannot just see uh, take everything for the face value, but like we we might need to see more. Yeah. Yeah, I think Zina's bang on that. Yeah, but, but that's a massive thing that Western internet armchair leftists don't really acknowledge is that geopolitics is as important or more important than theory in 99% of situations. Um, it's all well and good to have your perfect ideological armchair socialist world republic, but we're not going to get there if everyone's being an ideological purist. Um, you can't be an ideological purist because even if uh, India and, and China both became perfect socialist republics um, overnight. Obviously, a lot easier for China than India. But if it did hypothetically happen, then there are still going to be border conflicts. There's still going to be problems. There's still going to be tensions because there are massive geopolitical issues between these two countries. And like China, China, and ideology, China and Vietnam, these things can't be settled with theory. You can be the greatest ideological friends in the world. China and North Korea, sorry, Democratic People's Republic of Korea, um, like even they have, you know, geopolitical spats. Um, not mm -hmm. a great deal of them, but they do. Um, and these are these are you know seen as like the greatest kind of allies. Like North Korea is seen as a, oh my God, sorry, Democratic People's Republic of Korea is seen as a uh, like a Chinese puppet state by like kind of Western media, but it's not. It it no. it, it does experience very significant geopolitical shocks sometimes whenever there's an issue with you know the Chinese border. 
Um, but that's the point. Like, you can't kind of say, "Oh, you know, well, why are you supporting this group? Because you're a you're a, a, a thisist. You shouldn't be able to support this group." Because, but if you're a Marxist-Leninist, it's all about kind of looking at the actual material conditions. Geopolitics is basically just material conditions. It's just yeah. another term. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's international material conditions. It's the state of affairs, how they are, how borders was placed. You know, how how trade works. How people, and also, uh, you know, we also have to see like uh, USSR, they were really powerful. They were not like uh, like um, USSR. I would say USSR in some aspects they are more they were more powerful than the United States. But finally, it's still eventually still the US, uh, the United States defeated USSR, and USSR literally dissolved because of all these like um, conflicts. And we, we, as communists, we definitely should learn the lessons from the past. We cannot just like take everything for the face value. Like, for example, if you follow some doctrine, you follow some uh, Marxism value and without analyzing any material conditions. Yeah, well, but... what, hold on. The point is, right, going back to what you're saying, Tom, is these conflicts, if, if China and India uh, and, you know, did switch socialism or, or like uh, DPRK and, and China's relationship. The the point is that they don't have to point weapons each other over these uh, conflicts of, of policy because of socialism, not not because of, you know, it's capitalist countries that sort these problems out at the end of a, of a gun, you know, it's, it's that old British gunboat diplomacy kind of technique. But like socialism is what stops these, disputes having to be settled like that um i think that's the difference you brought up a good point so th these conflicts would exist still but marxism is a way of solving these problems without it's, just pointing guns at each other you know i mean like it, it's obviously all hypothetical because until we we have the socialist world republic it, it's not going to be a case of you know that this can be resolved like this in the current state of the world um countries have border disputes, countries have, like all of China's border disputes were inherited, sorry, the People's Republic of China's border disputes were inherited border disputes from the Republic of China. Um, and it gave up some of them, like in, obviously everyone knows about like, you know, the, the Republic of China's uh, claim to Mongolia, the entire country of Mongolia, um, which is utterly ludicrous. Um, but the People's Republic stood down on that. They said, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna pursue that goal. Um, but there are some goals which were too integral, like the reacquisition of Tibet, like the reacquisition of uh, Taipei, um, and other kind of you know these these integral Chinese provinces that can't be lost, rather than just colonial acquisitions like the Greater Mongolian Plain and stuff like this. Um, so basically, like China has resolved a lot of their border disputes peacefully already; it's already been done. Um, but you know. Only with the like really aggressive capitalist countries like India um, has there been significant disputes like with the Indian China Indian and um, obviously there was the Vietnam China Sino Vietnam War um, which was just a kind of crazy Maoist era clusterfuck of a of a situation um, which we won't really get into because that's too much but um, basically my point is just that geopolitics sub is is an extension of um, national politics. And obviously, yeah. like, you know, you can't, you, sometimes you've got to kind of, you, you've got to look at the bigger picture. Um, 
like like the way it during um you know World War Two, Lenin uh sorry not Lenin Stalin came in and said like we need to impose um you know drastic war communism, um which imposed like a lot of new capitalistic measures. Um, I think it was actually Lenin um during the the Russian Civil War that imposed the the war communism. Point yeah. being, at that point, so yes, and I knew it was off. Um, but the point being, um, ideology comes second to national defense. Um, geopolitics is is national defense essentially. Um, it's material conditions and it's national defense. So basically, yeah. your national defense is paramount. You will protect that at all costs. And then afterwards, you can debate about who's a, who's more of a revisionist, who's a social fucking fascist, bourgeois, neo imperialist, whatever. But that only when the threat has been dealt with can you have those discussions. And I think that's why Putin gets a lot of hate because he just sits there and and doesn't bend to these sort of demands because Putin he knows is that a master of geopolitics. He's exactly, a, he's like is a sixty it? chess player. Exactly, you know this is why they hate him so much. Uh, agree, disagree, or agree with Russian policy all you want, but his geopolitical game, you know, is okay. spot on, isn't it? But but what about oh, yeah, like, what about China as well, where they uh, they get accused of arming the fascist. Duterte, or du- I don't, I don't Duterte. Actually know. Duterte. Duterte. I'm Duterte. not. I'm not. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. You're not very good Duterte. at talking, are you? Uh, hey, you you are from the Midlands. Wrecked. I'm good at talking. <laughs> Thank you. I'm good at talking, but come on, talk. I just can't pronounce that uh, certain name. But yeah. So okay, China are accused of uh, arming the fascists there, but. If you if you actually look at it, it's obviously not the case. It's just um, one specific donation of arms, which is during an ISIS resurgency in I forgot the exact city it's name. Definitely. I think it goes in the northern Philippines. Yeah, is it? It, yeah. It's um, it's a very specific town, and you know the Ma- the Maoists they use it against uh, China, of course. Um, but it's just. It's what it is is um is pragmatic foreign policy because the U- United States used to be very close with Duterte or Duarte or um and they used to of course have a good relationship. Um of course China is going to want to kind of become Wedge in there. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it brings to your sphere of influence, isn't it? it? It's within the working class of China's uh, kind of interest to stabilize that kind of area and not yeah, have indeed. the United States become so influential in that area and not have, okay, yes, the Maoists, in a perfect world, the Maoist communists would seize power, but at the same time, the Maoists, at kind of go against China's best interest and therefore they support the United States, which is worth acknowledging. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, yes. one one thing I have to say on the on that particular issue is like, you know, um it, it again it's just geopolitics. It's it's just exactly. furthering of geopolitics. If you look at where the Philippines is on a map of South of like the Pacific, um basically you'll see it's uh it, it's basically it's it's like a dagger um into China's heartland basically. Um it would be a fantastic place, a much better air base than Japan or South Korea. 
um, yeah. because basically you'd be able to strike all of uh, China's like, most important uh, can, coastal sites. Can we imagine, like, for example, the, uh, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, let's say, for example, that falls to America. That's within China's work, like worst interests. Like, people can say yeah. that China doesn't support the DPRK. It's just not true because in it's in China's worst interest for that to happen. Like, America having a base on the border of China is the worst thing possible. Yeah. And it's the same thing like, in the Philippines. Like, if you look at the already um, existing uh, places where there are U.S. Uh, surrounding China, I think it's something like 28 or 29. Um, yeah. at the minute um, currently surrounding China on all parts um, one of them used to be in the Philippines because uh, as you say Duterte used to have a fairly friendly route well, actually it wasn't it wasn't Duterte who had a friendly relationship with um, the USA so much it was the predecessor he yeah. came, Duterte came in and kind of like kicked shit around and said you know we're joining China fuck you um, and well, Duterte I, I, I love this quote from him because he actually said um, you know I half expect to be killed by the CIA if you're listening to this CIA, uh, you know I've got one eye open, and I'm not, I'm going to be more like Fidel than anyone else you've ever taken down. And I was like, that is an absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's a bad And know, also, but, I just want to say, Duterte used to be part of the uh, the communist youth movement in 1970, but that's irrelevant. So. Personally, I think he's he's doing more for the uh, the global cause of communism by uh, removing the Philippines from the U.S. sphere of influence than the Maoists would do. Than by putting that sphere of influence back into, um, you know, into U.S. hands and potentially causing the overthrow of China wow. due, to the, due to the fantastically strategic position of the Philippines, because China is a fantastic anti-imperialist country which supports countless victims of imperialism, which would also likely fall um, if if China falls. So it would be a, a net bad thing oh, if I'm, China I falls. Would, I would like. I would like to. I would like to just mention. <laughs> Uh, like uh, uh, China being like an anti-imperialist nation that supports like uh, uh, that gives out support to oppressed uh, nations in the world while also mm. having a pragmatic foreign policy. I would like to point out that China actually built water and power uh, built power plants and water purification plants in Gaza for any wow. for for those Brilliant. people who like uh for maybe some twitter maoists who bash on china because they have like the bare minimal uh relationship with israel also um just i mean hold on just just you saying things like that and you know the these people who just smear and smear and smear and then claim to be like a leftist at the same time they don't even understand these little things like this are happening or the absolute just like stupid most stupidest people in the world because Every single, you know, good thing that happens in this world for Palestine is nothing but, you know, a fantastic thing because they are one of the most that that, that country is one of the most bullied on earth, no, no, and, no, no. and nobody it, does fuck all about it. it. It's the most bullied. Like there that's you go. The there you go. It's the no, most bullied. It's true. Like just the it, most bullied. It's absolutely true. And I think. We've raised a brilliant, uh, you know, head point to this discussion tonight, and I think we chose, we 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 got landed on our laps three brilliant topics with Bolivia, mm. Thailand, and this Philippine things because 
through this discussion, we've managed to link them all up geopolitically to, you know, the same sort of causes and outcomes. And, <laughs> the CIA. And not, well, they're just the tool. They're not the they're not the, the reason. They're just the tool. So yeah. it doesn't matter. It, just, it could be anybody else. But, you know, yeah. geopolitics no, I, is I the game. Uh, all these, all these uh, movements are linked, aren't they? Uh, yeah. the in different ways. Are. Exactly. You know, and it's this yeah. like... Um, it's this divide. It's just divide and conquer, basically, isn't it? And I think Bolivia yeah. shows exactly why it's important to be vigilant against this American intervention. And I think Thailand is a place that should be looking at Bolivia and seeing what America will do. Uh, you know, these these people in in Asia that get pulled into these protests should be looking at what America have done to South America. Um, before they go out onto the streets and just think, you know, think about what they're backing. Absolutely. And also not thinking that fucking signing a few petitions and voting for Joe Biden is going to solve, <laughs> it's going to solve everything because it's not. And yeah, that's what I want to say. We've already been over it, like with the whole kind of, you know, it's, it's like the difference between voting for, you know, the, the, the Labour Party in the UK or the Democratic Party in the USA and voting for uh, El Movimento al Socialismo in Bolivia is a mile of difference. Like the, oh, yeah. the Libs and the Maoists and the anarchists might want to compare it, might want to say, look. And the reason for that is, out. and the reason for that is geopolitics, because Bolivians have played the worker struggle and they've played the geopolitical struggle to outmaneuver the USA. And, and they've that, done that. They've done that using the other countries around the world that are uh, wise to this game support, you know, like, you know, uh, Zena talking the about USSR. Zena talking about China investing in, in uh, was it Zena or Sam? It was someone talked about China investing into Bolivia, you know, and it's these deals that are the cause of Thai revolutions and, and the, the, it's the reason why the USA will pitch the Filipino Communist Party against the Chinese one. Quickly on that, quickly on that. Do, do Maoists honestly think that like China and China wants to fight Philippines? Like, of course not. You know, this is ridiculous to to pick these sides. So it's it all goes down to that game of geopolitics is more than just picking one one side or the other ideologically. Yeah. You know, go on. You you. What did you want to say? Um, oh no no. Yeah. I think you kind of went past it. I was just going to say that the Bolivians put like blood, sweat and tears into this uh, result and it's just it's wrong to just uh, kind of put it down to vote, voting out fascism. That's all I was going to say. Um, but yeah, you're right. Exactly right. That um, Geopolitics is a lot more complicated and a lot more kind of influential than just kind of the, what the Maoists make out in the Philippines. Um, mm. But yeah. Zina, do you want to add anything at the end? Um, I just want to point back, like, uh, it might not relate to Philippines, but I just, if you said it's going to end up on here, because I, I would like to quote um, something, some of Josh Jackson's tweet about the equality in Marxism, because we, we talked about a little bit about that um, before, like, in, uh, just a while ago. And yeah. I, okay. Yeah, Go ahead. I just want to quote the 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 concepts of equality 
in Marxism, regardless of your race or your skin color. And I think it's like yeah, the true Marxism should be equal emancip emancipation of all working people, mm -hmm. and also like uh, also equal equal about abolition of private property in production, equal right to remuneration according to work performed, and so on. I think that's important. So, I mean, I'm not sure the economic condition or proletarian struggle in the UK, but I think it's also people, as a communist, we also need to uh, like dig more into the, uh, the real issue happened in that area not just based on some people's skin color or or something. And more based on, based on the economic condition, as you guys were mentioned. Okay, just yeah. one more, just read the just read the quote out one more time because you absolutely smashed it out of the part ending ending on this quote. So just just read the quote out, what, what Mark said again. Uh, I Josh Jackson, I think he mentioned in his his toy like the first one, it will be like equal emancipation of work, all working people. And the second one will be equal abolition of, of private property in production. And then equal right to remuneration according to work performed. And the last one will be equal right to remuneration according to a person's need. So I think that's why I think that quote is excellent because i think it's also the fundamental concept of marxism yes yeah yeah 100 percent. Absolutely. absolutely the fact that you brought that up at the end of this is just awesome <laughs> absolutely no, you've just knocked me for you've knocked me for six bringing that up really just, <laughs> it just ties everything back up together perfectly yeah absolutely. i don't yeah, think but, we're, but, we're never going to get a, a better spontaneous ending than that honestly yeah, but I'm not sure because, like, uh, as I said, basically, I, me personally, as an outsider, because I, I don't, I wasn't born and grew up in the West, and there's a lot of different struggles. Maybe the class struggles in the UK and in the US, as you said, like, um, all the controversies maybe happened in the last few weeks, mostly focused on the, you know, class struggle, different, different opinions concerning those fundamental struggles. Um, like, like you have your, you have the in the, in the United States, they have their own maybe class struggle, and sometimes they will go also going to include col colonialism, uh, mm -hmm. slavery, and that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. maybe what I would say is like, um, also based on maybe the material conditions, maybe the difference between what's in the UK and what's in the US, maybe there's some differences. Of there the most certainly is, circles. you know. Yeah. There just Absolutely. is. There is. You know, I'm I'm speechless. I can't. I don't really know yeah, what. That, to, I, you know, it's unfollowable. That. Yeah. You've, that you've a, smashed that the ball out of the park. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, um, we, I think we, we end there. Then that's that. a good good point. Quite an episode, mm, fellas. Yeah. So uh, this is gonna be up just before the the contrapoints mango reacts thing. So don't forget that uh, if. If you're listening and there's any sort of video you want us to sit and watch, generally it needs to be about, I don't know, under 20 minutes long because then we get about 20 minutes analysis, uh, pausing it because we've got to talk. You know what we're like. I'm say, cause we, we talked for about an hour and a half, didn't we, on that 20 minutes? It's, about, it's one hour, 10 minutes long. 
Um, it'll be getting yeah, uploaded yeah. after this onto onto YouTube and as a podcast, so you can listen. But if there's any videos that you wanna you want us to to react to, just just send us send them to the Twitter account, you know, with a link to the YouTube video or wherever it's hosted at, and then we'll we'll get a, a team together and we'll watch it. Um, whether it's you know just two or three of us or as many as we have here, or you know it could be any of the guys from the other podcast. You, you lot name. do rattle on though, don't you? Bloody an hour and ten minutes for that video. Jesus. Well, the, the video is twenty <laughs> minutes long, so you know, forty minutes of talking. It's quite a quite a hot topic as well. Nah, um, I think it. you'll enjoy it when you watch it. You'll enjoy it. Um, yeah, it was quite I'll, fun. It was I'll quite fun. It was a spontaneous thing that, like, um, Cassim just, just, just brought up. Yes, Sammy, I'm getting to that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just promoting the other stuff. Um, yeah, you've you've knocked me off thought there. Ma- Mango, uh, Mango reacts. You know, tune in for that later. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Bye, and comrades. Hi. Bye, bye. Have a good, have a good evening. Ehoi, gentlemen, man. I like.